Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet at the John Campy Show. Coming from right here on my 200 million view YouTube. I'm going to talk about that more in just a in just a second. It is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you. Our international friends gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, and all sorts of good stuff. And guys, today, I, I got to let you guys know about this. Uh, today, it's official now. It's 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 done. We have crossed 200 million views on, on the channel. And I'm going to tell you why that in particular is really incredible to me. We had just had our 100 million view party, which all of us were at. Yeah. We were celebrating 100 million views on the channel. Couldn't believe it that was we really got fun there. too. It was, it was a great, great night. That it was, was a wonderful great turnout. Night. It was the first time that I got to try Ishmael's cookies. And now we <laughs> had to have them a second time. Yeah. So, but almost immediately after the 100 million view party, pandemic broke out. The movies shut down. The movie theater shut down. There were no movies for months and months and months and months and two months turned into six, turned into eight, turned into a year. And we were a movie channel with no movies to talk about. And there were times that I, I was wondering if we would even uh, survive it, if the channel would even survive. And you guys, uh, our audience, you stuck with the show. You kept coming back every day. You guys shared the same hunger we had to keep talking about our favorite thing, movies and movie news and TV and streaming, even though there was nothing out, which only made it more important for us to talk about, I suppose. But you guys stuck through it. And then as we started to come out of the pandemic, I, I just couldn't believe the numbers we were doing. And and this month, we have had the biggest numbers we've ever had in the history of the channel, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, whatever. And uh, it's just a testament to the community we have here, what you guys, and the way you guys have supported the channel and supported us and stayed as a part of the conversation. And uh, we crossed 200 million views. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Thank you to all of you guys who have supported us and all of you guys who have been there for us and have made it worth it for us to get out of bed every morning to come and do this. So thank you so much to that, guys. And uh, we'll probably have a party at some point. But at any rate. Well, John, can I also just add to that? Because yes. you're so generous that you're always thanking everyone around you. But I think it's also um, important for us to thank you for continuing to find topics for us to talk about. I mean, I remember when that was all happening. And I remember you had a conversation with Rob and Chris and I and Ray and said, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know if I'm even going to be able to continue paying you guys. And I don't know what's going to move forward. And, you know, if you guys need to bail and go do something else, I totally get it. And uh, you know, this community has been so wonderful, um, you know, for us to be a part of and for you to continue finding things for us to talk about in the world <laughs> of entertainment, even during a time where there's really no movies um, that we were like, no, this is this is what we do. This is where we are. And we're all going to stick together. And with you at the helm of that and with you as our fearless leader, it it, it makes calling this a job kind of silly. Um, and And I feel like part of being this in this community is just the joy that we feel here in front of the camera that I know that everybody out there feels watching. So oh, thank you for continuing to keep this alive. Thank you for that. And, and we all know that you way prefer working with me than you did with Nathan Fillion 100%. on his show, the, the rookie last week. Yes. Yes. Or, or, or Academy award nominee, Will Smith. Will Smith. Yeah, of course. So your style I, award, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. yeah like, yeah, yeah it's hundred percent. That, that's I, how I important it is here. You know, I, 
honestly, I've also been kind of floored because I, I tweeted about it last night that, hey, we're crossing 200 million. And it's pretty cool when you look at your feed and people write and you realize some of your favorite people in the business are writing to you to congratulate you. Like who, John? I'm not going to say. Well, I already told some of you, yeah, some yeah. of them, but I mean, it's, it's, um, but it's, it's, it's amazing. So thank you guys so much for that. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's also great. It's too bad. Chris can't be here today. Uh, Chris Carr, uh, you guys know what happened. I don't even have to tell you what happened. You guys know what happened. Chris Carr's car, <laughs> her, her car uh, broke down again on the way in here today. So Chris will not be joining us here. She today. needs to call my friend Johnny over at Hamer Toyota and get, uh, get, get something. New. A new but she's got a new car coming. She's got a new car coming. Excellent. Anyway, guys, here's how today's show is going to go. We are going to break the show up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to take some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. So what you get a live comment or question in, if you're watching live and only if you're watching live, is by using the Super Chat feature in the YouTube chat. However, uh, I, I turned it on two minutes before we started the show, and I've had to turn it off already because you guys literally overfilled uh, all the question spots that we have available. So we will get to your questions once we get to the end of the main topics. Want to remind you guys too, the newest episode of Movie Club is right now up. We discussed this week, The Dark Knight, uh, to celebrate the Batman being in theaters. So if you guys haven't had a chance to check out that conversation yet, go on over. It's on the YouTube channel. You can find it on the front page there. Okay, guys. With all that down, let's start with an off the top here, shall we? And our off the top is this. You know, there was a little movie that came out a, a long time ago, you know, in the, when, when the Conan movies were still in vogue and things like that, that Arnold Schwarzenegger himself was in, called Red Sonja. It was, of course, a comic book uh, adaptation as well. And Red Sonja had, uh, what was still Bridget Nielsen. Bridget Nielsen, Bridget Nielsen, that amazing thespian. Amazonian goddess. Beverly yeah. Hills Cop 2, so redhead. They had, it's, she was Red Sonja. Uh, not as good as the Conan movies, but we all remember Red Sonja. So fast forward a couple of decades. At Comic-Con, Robert Rodriguez announces that he's doing a Red Sonja. And it was going to star, at the time, his girlfriend. Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan was going to be the star of it. That's the first person that comes to mind when I think of Red Sonja. I, yeah. mean, I mean, she seemed like a good fit. Mm-hmm. And that then, cover art, the poster. They, yeah, they was... even went so far as to make posters for it and everything like that, right? But then quiet, 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 done. And th- then that's not going to happen. Then we heard a little while ago that they were, in fact, doing it again. And they were going to try Red Sonja again. And this time, they were going to get uh, the girl who played Wasp. Not Wasp, sorry. The girl who played Ghost in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Hannah John Kamen, mm. was going to play the role. And that's great. But then we don't hear about anything. Then we don't hear about anything. And now we have heard they're gone. The director and Hannah John uh, came and have left the project. This comes to us from the folks over at CBR who wrote the following. Ant-Man and the Wasp star Hannah John Kamen has just reportedly dropped out of the upcoming Red Sonja adaptation. Uh, John Kamen, who was set to play Red Sonja herself, recently exited the production along with its director, Joey Soloway, reports the Illuminati. No reason was given for the pair's departure, but it's understood that altered carbon veteran MJ Bassett is ready to set as and ready set to step in to replace Soloway. So yeah, I mean this the last time I remember hearing Rob, I don't know if you remember this, but the last time I remember hearing that a director and actor at the same time walked out of a project 
The last time I remember that happening was Jason Momoa walking from the Crow reboot. He was like the seventh guy they had cast to play the Crow. And it was going to be Jason Momoa. And I can't remember if they were on like their fifth director. So they had the director and Jason Momoa. And that one looked like it was getting some steam. And then out of nowhere, the director and Jason Momoa both walked at the same time. You don't often hear that. I can't remember any other situation like that off the top of my head. So with this, I can't help but wonder, is this a situation where like she was the director's choice and the moment the director wasn't going to be there anymore, the role wasn't going to be hers anymore? Was there something bigger behind the scenes that caused you know, two of the main two players in this production coming up walking off? I mean, all we can do is speculate at this time, but... You know, Aaron, before the show started and we started talking about this, you mean, what a nightmare this is oh, this yeah. has been. This whole production has been going all the way back to the Rod Rodriguez thing. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this. I have my doubts this project's ever gonna happen. I mean, they're already saying they've got the altered carbon guy attached, but I'm having my doubts. It's been so many years they've tried to get this going. I'm not even sure there's a hunger for this project. You hear about this, what do you think? Well, you know, I there was also a Red Sonja project that Brian Singer was going to direct that Ashley Edward Miller, who created Dota, Dragon's Blood, who was in your documentary, right. he wrote. And that's that one turned into the Robert Rodriguez one, didn't it? No, that came after. Oh, that came after. Okay. Yeah, and that, that was obviously scuttled for various reasons. But, you know, I, <laughs> I wonder, John, like I'm a fan of classic fantasy, you know, Robert E. Howard or Edgar Rice Burroughs or, you know, I like all that stuff. But in a world where we have Witcher and where we have Lord of the Rings and where we have uh, Wheel of Time, is a Red Sonja movie a little maybe a throwback? I don't know. I mean, it could always be done well. But I just I, I think that the enthusiasm for this project is probably part of the problem because they hire these people and they don't pull the trigger. How long does it take to write a script? I mean, this project's been in development longer than The Flash or Black yeah, Adam. It, it has. Like, I, I, know, I, I know, and it's 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 just I I look I, I you know me I want to see anything get made and made well. I, I I hope that everything is good, and I love high fantasy, and and this is all obviously based in this is a character that's been around for decades, and if it was cool, awesome, and a great female kick-ass character, always a good thing, especially if she's a redhead like Red Sonja should be, uh, then I'm in. But clearly, this, this the enthusiasm has waned a bit somewhere, somewhere on the long line. I just don't know. <laughs> you bring up an interesting point about the fact that we are in an era right now where we have where fantasy is making a huge mm -hmm. resurgence. You know, huge. of course, much Wheel of Time, His Dark Materials. We got a Lord of the Rings series coming to that. Well, the Witcher is out there. You could also wonder, like, would that almost deter a studio from trying to do something like Red Sonja, considering there's so much else that's there right now? And and this is a property that, let's face it, not a lot. I don't think a very high percentage of the people watching this show right now have seen the original Red Sonja. I've seen Correct. I've seen the movie or read the I'm Marvel a, comics. I'm gonna or read the definitely have not read the comics. By the way, I'm gonna put up a poll on that in here in a second. But anyway, you hear about this, Aaron? Have you ever been a part of a project where like? the director and the star walked at the same time or anything like that. I'm, I'm sure like directors come and go, actors come and go, that happens, but at the same time, and do you think this is a project that'll ever actually get the wheels off the ground? Well, it does remind me of, um, you know, in, so The Walking Dead, you know, was created by Frank Darabont, 
and he was um, removed from The Walking Dead. Uh, depends on who you talk to. There's a different story. But uh, Jeffrey DeMunn, who was one of the stars of the show, you know, he had worked with uh, Frank Darabont on numerous projects. And he said, listen, like, this is this is Frank Darabont's show. You're not going to just oust the guy who created the show, who's also, uh, you know, a prolific writer and someone really respected in this business. And so he walked as a show of solidarity with uh, Frank Darabont. Um, so that's the only thing that comes to mind for me. Um, I can't think of any experiences that I've had where I've I, I've seen it happen. But yeah, I mean, there's a n number of things that could have happened perhaps if, you know, she was the director's choice and kind of saw the writing on the wall of who, hey whoever they're going to bring in next i'm not necessarily guaranteed to have this role because this person was my champion um you know i can see that or it could just point to what is probably the 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 bigger issue is that there's just some problems with this i mean i don't know if there's a script was there a script with the robert rodriguez and um uh uh Oh, Rose? Rose McGowan version? I don't know. I never heard about a script. I mean, I haven't heard about a script that's been circulating. And I think that, again, story is always my uh, the thing that I go back to is if there was if there were a script that was a great script, every actress in Hollywood would be clamoring to do this, regardless of the director and pretty much every director would be clamoring. And as far as the studio saying, no, there's too much out there that's already in the world of sci-fi and fantasy you know studios are not necessarily known for saying hey that's really popular right now we should probably not go there in that direction they sort of seem to want to uh beat an idea to death if it's making money they just want to make more money and more money until nobody wants to watch it anymore i can see red sonia being a great series so instead of trying to push a feature that clearly is not going to happen and I don't think has a script, why not just develop into a series? I think that would be a great idea for one of these streaming platforms. Yeah. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? The director and the star for Red Sonja have both left at the same time. Do you think this is a project that'll ever get off the ground? By the way, I put that up as a poll for you guys and the live viewers. We've got a little over 500 votes. And 76% of you don't think this movie is ever actually going to happen. 25% of you think they will. What do you guys think about this? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here in the John Campion Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Aaron, what is our first main topic today? Our first main topic comes to us from Aiden W. Hey, John, Dune was my favorite film of the year 2021, and one of the big reasons was how the visual effects took me out of the movie theater and right into Arrakis. Wondering what your thoughts were on it winning top prize at the Visual Effects Awards yesterday. I personally think it's well-deserved. Do you agree, or should another film have won? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yes, so the other day, I think, believe it's the Visual Effects Society, the VES, had their 
annual awards. And other than the Oscars, this is the big awards for the visual effects industry, for what they're doing. And probably something that's going to give us a pretty clear insight into what we can maybe expect happen at the Oscars as far as the visual effects go. And yes, you're right. No surprise, Dune took top prize, which was totally, totally exciting to see because you're right. I remember when I saw Dune, the first time I saw it, what the way you just described it was perfect. It absolutely teleported you out of the movie theater. You felt like you were in Arrakis. And that has a lot to do with the cinematography, but then partnering with the cinematography, the visual effects that they did in that. This comes to us from Variety, who wrote the following. Dune has taken top honors at the VES Awards, garnering four awards, including photoreal feature winner. Uh, Disney's Encanto was named top animated film, also winning four awards. The Visual Effects Society, VES, the industry's global professional honor, honorary society, held the 20th annual VES Awards, the prestigious yearly celebration that recognizes outstanding visual effects artistry and innovation in film, animation, television, commercials, video games, and special venues. This marks the society's 20th VES Awards program and is being celebrated during the organization's milestone 25th anniversary. Industry guests gathered at the Beverly Hilton to celebrate VFX talent in 25 award categories. Foundation, The Emperor's Peace, was named Best Photoreal Episode. And I, I do want to talk about that for a second as well. So first of all, bravo. I mean... Dune did have some spectacular effects, but the strength to me of the VFX in Dune was not the big spectacular set piece effects, like with the flying and the air combat. It was the butthole monster, the butthole monsters. Yes, of course. It was the world, the world they created. I never once felt like I was taken out of it. And that had a lot to do with the effects. So let's take a look at a couple of, of the winners here. Cause as they mentioned, Encanto, one for best visual effects in animation. Uh, of course, outstanding visual effects in a photoreal feature. That went to Dune. Uh, outstanding supporting visual effects in a photoreal feature. Last Night in Soho. Although I will confess to you right now, I don't really understand what best supporting visual effects are. I'm going to assume it has to do with a certain level of effects, like the background and sure. things like that. That's my guess. I don't really know. And I worked in the visual effects industry, so I don't really know. But one of the cool ones that I love seeing was that for television and series the emperor's peace for foundation now i know not a lot of people talk about foundation like for for some people foundation was a little bit underwhelming i loved it i absolutely adored foundation i really liked it too like lee paced the whole mythology of the the three emperors the what do they call the genetic dynasty is yeah. that what they called it like the whole mythology that the way it skips through time i mean i I adored it. And for a television series, the effects I thought were absolutely phenomenal. So I love seeing this. And yeah, I do believe this is a precursor to the Oscars. I think we can expect to see Dune win best visual effects. I mean, obviously there are going to be some other big ones in the, in the, in the running. Rob, do you agree with Dune taking this? Do you think maybe when we get to the Oscars, maybe another one might have a chance. Another film might have a chance against it. How do you see this? Uh, obviously visual effects is, is my jam. You know, I, I have every issue of Cinefx magazine. I I, uh, I I've loved visual effects even since before Star Wars. This movie had some of the most astonishing visual effects ever put on film or digitally captured. Um, and I think you explain exactly why 
there, you know, John, I'm always looking for verisimilitude, but the world that is created in Dune, there is not a moment where you're like, oh, that's a matte painting. Or, oh, that's a, like when the ornithopters are flying across the Arakeen Desert. It's flawless. It looks absolutely, and the thing is, it looks completely realistic. And what people don't understand is, it's not just the quality of the effects, of the effects, it's the design of the shot itself. Yeah. It's how do you shoot something and make it look realistic? Because we see the world in a certain way. So when you're doing a great visual effect shot, the the way that you design the shot and how it would be uh, uh, how it would fit into human perception is part of that. And when you see the way the air looks in Dune, when the ornithopters f- fly through a heated desert environment, it's the air itself. It's not even just the ships flying. The look of that film is astonishing. It is. It looks like they went to Arrakis and shot the movie there. <laughs> I, I mean, it really high, does. High praise. It, yeah, it's yeah. that good. And I would say that it's the the visual effects are some of the best ever done. And that's a testament to everybody that works on the movie. And I, also, foundation shout out to that show oh, God, because that show so the much. the shot the effects on that show were incredibly ambitious for a TV show and. Again, it's about the design of the shots, the look of the shots, the color palette of the shots. Mm-hmm. But Dune's an astonishing effects achievement. Really is. Aaron, you know, do you think this is a precursor to the Oscars? Do you think another one of the movies that was nominated might have a front? Or do you think Dune was the right winner and we can expect that to win at the Oscars? Well, especially for the reasons why you and Rob just spoke about, you know, I think that this is going to really change the way that we talk about visual effects. So just to run down some of the other nominees in this category, we had Godzilla versus Kong, The Matrix Resurrections, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, and Spider-Man No Way Home. And And, you know, in most of these projects, um, I would say maybe uh, Shang-Chi, not necessarily. um, uh, A lot of them, the the visual effects are the actual practical effects. No, sorry. That totally contradicted. The effects that we're talking about with visual effects, most people think about... Oh, um, you know, the rings spinning in the air or the creation of Godzilla, the monster, actual things that, you know, are not real, but um, are created. And with Dune, we're talking about an entire world where you think that that world is real and you can't tell what's been shot on green screen and what hasn't. And that is a game changer because now we're talking about filming movies in places that just don't exist um, in a way that we've seen occasionally, like um, what was the James Cameron um, avatar, you know, avatar we've seen it, but Dune, I feel like really has changed the game on this um, in making people question, am I actually watching a real place or am I watching a green screen? You know, in Avatar, we we, we knew that we were watching green screen and it was, I think, by design. We weren't supposed to think this is a real place per se. Whereas Dune, it actually makes you question your own reality. And I think that's uh, that, that's a game changer in the world of visual effects. Um, and the same... Most well, they the same- did shoot second unit on Pandora. <laughs> they actually went to Pandora yeah. and got their, and got their mm-hmm. shots there. But but at the bottom line, though, should we expect to see Dune take the top? Oh, absolutely. At the, at the Academy yeah. Awards? I mean, there's the same um, the same cat, uh, nominees. Right. The only one that's different is uh, Free Guy 
actually. Free Guy was nominated for an Academy Award for visual effects, but was not nominated for the VES Awards. But given the fact that it's probably the same people voting for the VES Awards as... A lot of them would be, A lot of... There's going to be a lot of crossover. So if we see that Dune is the big winner for VES, I'm assuming that most of those voters are Academy members in the visual effects category as well. So I I would not be surprised if we saw Dune being a big sweep um, for visual effects at the Academy Awards, too. You know, John, can I ask you a question about this? Absolutely. Uh, like this is just a philosophical question I'm Uh-oh. asking you. Okay, well, yeah. have, have, uh-huh. you worked in the, deep today. Well, that you worked in the visual effects industry. Yes. Obviously, like the sea battle in Godzilla versus Kong was amazing. Yeah, I mean, and that whole sequence was visual effects. I mean, you've got aircraft carriers and Godzilla and Kong fighting. You've got water effects, all that stuff, which were, as far as monsters fighting, looked great. The greatest thing. I mean, one of the great effects <laughs> sequences ever. So that sequence is an amazing bit of visual effects work. But, and I loved it. But on the other hand, I personally am looking for that experience when you can't, like you don't know that you're looking at effects. You can't distinguish between reality and what's on the screen. Right. And and with Dune, it's the same thing. Everything with the, with the, the, the cityscapes and the vehicles and the sandworms and all that. But... How do you judge that? Like mm-hmm. Kong versus Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong, those are some of the best monster fighting effects ever. And then, so do you, like in my mind, I kind of personally, my personal preference is I give Dune the edge because it it creates the world, but I personally think that I love Godzilla versus Kong too, but I, I'm biased. Do you feel that that bias is real or how do you feel about philosophically? I think there it's a part of it is learning to separate the scene from the effects in the scene, right? So like if you look at Godzilla versus Kong, part of the thing that is so memorable to me, the effects are very good in it. They're very, very good in it. But the scene is the fight. And that's what make is memorable to me, the fight, the, all that kind of stuff. So then you're looking at how well did the visual effects make that feel inseparable from reality? Mm. And so when I'm watching Godzilla versus Kong, if, when I watch that scene, as great as it is, most of my hype is coming from the action of the scene right. and what's actually happening in the scene as opposed to how well are the visual effects making happen. And the visual effects were great. But when I look at Dune, it's it's that indistinguishability. I yeah. can't tell what's real and what's not. I mm. can't tell. Did they sh- go out to the Arizona desert and shoot this? Did they like and and that kind of becomes that that difference, right? That becomes a separator because you look at Captain America: Civil War and the big airport battle, right? Are those really the greatest visual effects, or is just that a really great memorable scene mm-hmm. that the effects help and are great in? So yeah, to me, it's it's about when the effects create that indistinguishable barrier between what's real and what's not. Well, like in The Lion King, the most yeah, recent the one, when we, so I was like, crazy. "There's that is actually that is actually a, a squirrel. That's a real squirrel. They trained a squirrel. They trained a yep. squirrel. I mean, eagly. No one will ever convince me that's not a real eagle. You will never <laughs> convince me that a real eagle well, did not hug John Cena. But, but, you know, it's interesting because to me, could you ever believe that Godzilla and King Kong exist? I mean, in our minds, no matter how good the effects are, we know in real life that could never happen. We could, it could never exist. But, so it doesn't matter. But Dune, 
Maybe it could. I don't know. The sandworm, the butthole monster comes out of the ground. Yeah. It's like, I, I just believed we were there. I mean, look I know. At, that's at the Thanos, thing. Too. The sandworm is a kaiju, essentially. It, it is. And it then is. you look yeah. at, you look at like, uh, again, I was just saying Thanos, right? This complete fairy tale kind of character. But you never doubted for a second he was standing there no, with them. Uh, he's the greatest uh, uh, motion capture CG character ever. I might still that's think not that, that might be Caesar. That's that not might, hair and makeup? I feel like that's hair and makeup. That's the thing about I feel like that's hair Caesar's. The thing is, Caesar's pretty good, but we know. I mean, and, and not pretty good. It's incredible what they did with Caesar was incredible, but Thanos. The fact that he was an unreal character and then oh, yeah, it made that was you crazy. believe in him that much. I mean, that face. But you and I have often talked about this. That sometimes things that are real in real life are, harder are the to harder do. things to do I to know. make us believe that was an ape. It was crazy. Anyway, guys, mm-hmm. we need to move on. But the question is for you, Dune. Cleans up at the Visual Effects Awards. Do you expect to see it clean up as well at the Academy Awards? What do you guys think about it? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. <laughs> With all that down, let's now move into main topic number two, shall we? Aaron, what is our second main topic today? Our second main topic comes to us from Ankush. Hi, John. I love your shows. There are a lot of big movies which are going to be released this year. I just want to ask, which have the potential to be the biggest movie of 2022? I think it's going to be Avatar 2, but I want to hear your thoughts. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, listen, we, we had a discussion yesterday about, you know, the Batman just became the only film in 2022 to open to $100 million, only the second film since 2019 to open with over $100 million. And so we started talking yesterday about what other films coming out this year have that potential to be $100 million films. And that spawned a couple of our viewers to write, and it's like, okay, you're talking about the $100 million, but which ones are going to be the, which one is going to be the biggest film of the year? What's going to be the biggest film of the year? And when we get to the end of it and then all the box offices count up, what is going to be the one that more movie fans, more of us, get feel appealed to by that movie, get motivated to see it, get excited to see it, go out, buy our movie tickets, use our A-list, whatever, to go out to see those movies? Which one of these movies will we, the movie-going audience, make the biggest film of the year? That's a good question. I want to propose to you that there are a couple of possibilities. All right, a couple of possibilities. I'm going to name my top five, but first I'm going to give you some that I think are in, at least in the discussion about which ones it could be. So let's start with this. I think one of the, not in my top five, but an honorary mention, one of my honorary mentions is The Flash. Now, not a lot of DC movies, I think only one DCEU movie has broken the billion dollar mark, and that was, of course, Aquaman. So well, jo- Joker too, but it's not part of the DCEU. But yeah, so DCEU though, so Joker's not part of the DCEU. So I think only Aquaman has broken the billion dollar mark. But despite the fact there's been so many ridiculous delays, despite the fact that they have gone through four sets of writers and th- at least three directors before landing on a very very good one, the the possibility with Michael. Um, I almost said Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas returning as Batman with Michael Keaton. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's a different movie altogether. <laughs> Michael Pena. That's a Michael Pena. Michael Pena as Batman. I want that. Oh, God. I'm now not I, even kidding. That would now be awesome. Now I can't see anything else in my head except that. I want that as well. Okay. So other than that, I mean, and of course, you know, uh, uh, 
<laughs> Why am I Ezra Miller's uh, bye bye <laughs> love of massaging women's necks? Um, besides all the drama and all that kind of stuff, I think there is a lot here that could make people excited about getting out to see it. And I don't, I'm not giving it a top five chance. But I think The Flash is one of the films that has the potential about maybe being that film. Another film I believe has the potential is Wakanda Forever. Now, I just talked yesterday about the fact that what's going to hurt this movie is two big things. Number one, the star is no longer there with Chadwick Boseman, obviously. But secondly, the main character is no longer there. So they're kind of rebooting and, and kind of in a, in a way. They're not actually rebooting in a way. But it's still Black Panther. And it's Wakanda. And it's an MCU film. So you got to acknowledge it at least has that potential. The last one I'm going to say is Lightyear. Um, again, not a top five chance of being the biggest film of the year, but Lightyear, again, it's a beloved character. You got the nostalgia factor. You're going to have parents who love Toy Story growing up now bringing their kids to watch more stuff of this. That and the trailer's delightful. The trailer's delightful. So again, I don't think it's going to be any of those, but I do give them outside chances. So, okay, here are the five that I think have the biggest chances. The fifth best chance to me is Aquaman 2. Again, we just talked about it. Aquaman is the only movie in the DCU to make a billion dollars that the audience has rushed out for. I think the vast majority of the audiences who went to go see it really liked it. I think maybe some that didn't saw the Peacemaker finale and heard one of the greatest <laughs> lines in television history as Jason Momoa simply said, fuck you, Barry. That's one of the greatest lines in television history. I think Aquaman does have a shot. I'm going to give it uh, the number five spot as to potential, which one could be the biggest. Next up at number four for me is Jurassic World Dominion. Never underestimate a Jurassic World movie. People like going to see it. And the first trailer for this one was fabulous. The trailer for this movie was fantastic. Rob, you were in tears. At certain scenes. I in teared that up. I, 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 You know what? I got all misty-eyed, and I couldn't help it. I had a single tear, like the old uh, 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 what Iron Eyes Cody commercials when he looks at the litter on the side of the yep. road. And, you know, that was that, me. That was you. That was me. But it wasn't out of sadness. It was out of beauty yes, and joy. Yes, it was out of beauty and nostalgia and joy. And I, I literally, it was the realization of a childhood dream. Dudes on horseback riding with... Dinosaurs. dinosaurs as the sun is setting in the wide, like monument valley you called this is the avengers of jurassic park movies i yeah. called it the spider-man no way home you're bringing the different generations all the actors are there so i think you got to seriously consider that it's got the chance to be that so i'm giving it the number four chance number three thor love and thunder i mean first of all it is an avengers og People love Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Mm -hmm. Thor Ragnarok was a magnificent triumph. Everybody loved it. Taika Waititi's back. Everybody went bananas at Comic-Con when they brought out Jane again. So Natalie Portman came out and Taika Waititi got down on one knee, held aloft Mjolnir as she took the hammer. I mean, so I think this thing's going to be a runaway box office smash. Will it be the biggest? I think it's got the number three chance. All right. My number two chance is Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Mm. Coming off and parlaying off of the huge global all-time success of Spider-Man No Way Home, you have Patrick Stewart in the trailer coming also and spinning off the success of WandaVision. You got Wanda in there. It looks bonkers and great. The bonkersness might actually deter some people. Still, I think this is the second best shot. I think Doctor Strange and the Multiverse Madness is the second best shot 
at being the biggest movie of the year. I think the number one best shot, though, is Avatar 2. And I know I can already hear it. I know there are all these people because the the circles they travel in, none of their friends are interested in Avatar 2. That's great. That's fine. When are you going to learn? When are we going to learn? Never bet against James Cameron. Mm. Never, ever bet against James Cameron. And how quickly we forget that Avatar is the number one all-time box office film in history. Endgame took that title for a bit. It took it back. Endgame will take it back again at some point. But for now, it is the biggest film in history. And even people who right now kind of poo-poo on the idea, I'm telling you, when they put out the first trailers for this, James Cameron's going to blow our minds. Yeah. Because that's what he does. And every time it seems like visual effects, technology, and movies can't go any further, James Cameron comes along and finds a way to push it forward even more. And that's why I think the number one chance of being the biggest movie of the year is Avatar. So just running it down again, I think the top five chances are Aquaman at number five, Jurassic World Dominion at number four, Thor Love and Thunder at number three, Doctor Strange 2 at number two, and Avatar 2 as my number one chance. What do you think, Ray? Can I ask you something? What do you think the sleeper hit is going to be? The one that makes more than it should. I think it's going to be Nope. I don't know. Pe- people aren't sleeping on uh, it. Are people not sleeping I on it? I don't know if people are but, but you know what? It has the potential. If it's good. See, if it's if Nope is more get out and less us, mm. then it could be quite a significant hit. If I had to say there's a sleeper that I didn't put on this list at all, it's Top Gun. Top Gun to me is the sleeper. That That could be the one that surprises us. Because, you know, Aaron and I saw 13 minutes of this movie at CinemaCon, and it blew our minds. Mm-hmm. We loved it. But there's that big question. This movie is 15 years too late. It's not three years too late. It's not five years too late. It's like 15 and years too late. And even if it had come out 15 years ago, it would have been 20 years too late. And still. then it would have been 20 years too late. So. So, so there's that. So I think the potential is there that we may end up being shocked at how many people want to rush out. Because this has that potential of a Mission Impossible. You know how big of a hit those end up being for Tom Cruise. So I'd say, I think the sleeper might be Top Gun. And there's also the nostalgia factor. You talk about that with Toy Story. There's also, you know, uh, the, uh, there's also the, the nostalgia factor of Top Gun. Hold on a second. What are you trying to ask me? People are saying the Obi-Wan trailer just dropped. Oh, we'll take it. We'll, oh, we'll okay. go and take a look at that in a minute live. Okay. I, I thought it may because they put out the picture. So I thought it may. Anyway, let's stick on this for now. Um, I was like, should I keep talking? Is something happening? Um, you know, like the, we have the nostalgia factor for Lightyear. There's also the nostalgia factor for Top Gun. You know, people who grew up watching the original Top Gun are going to go back and want to be able to relive that. And then they're going to bring their kids who are going to enjoy a whole new generation of, um, you know, of, of, of sky athletes. So, what about the Batman though? Because I was actually, I mean, is that not being part of this? Is that not part of this conversation? That's what I was thinking too. But I mean, I was at the screening last week. We were talking, which is the reason why Joey Bishop is dressed as Wonder Woman because she's part of the DCEU, obviously, <laughs> um, in honor of us seeing the Batman for the first time. Um, I was talking to people that were at the screening who that was their third time seeing the movie and it wasn't even the weekend yet. It was Friday morning and they'd already seen the movie three times. Yeah, but it when you look at its opening weekend numbers, 
I don't think it has the chance yeah, of the reaching the. It's not going to have the legs and the chance to reach what I think a lot of these other ones are going to reach. Got it. So I, I'm going to say no. I don't. Th I don't think it, that Batman has a lot of a chance. Do you think that also now that we seem, and I'm, I'm just saying, seem like the concerns over people going back in public, going back in the movie theaters, fears of COVID have seemed to wane. That, that this summer is going to be the blockbuster summer that we remember summer movies being? Try like that the again. <laughs> no, I, I know what you're saying. Like the last two summers, we yeah. haven't really, I mean, COVID has been, has eclipsed everything yeah, that's come out. Yeah, the last couple, yeah. And it seems like now people are feeling a lot more confident about going back. Even people who were very concerned Feel, are feeling a lot more confident about going back and sitting in a theater with a bunch of strangers wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. I feel like this is going to be the first time since 2019 that we've seen an actual summer of blockbusters. Yeah, yeah. it's possible. Now, Variety, of course, we talked about this big thing because a number of months ago, Variety had put out this report of a study done that showed that 50% of at least semi-regular moviegoers pre-pandemic have not started yet coming back to the movies. Wow. Now, that was before Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, Spider-Man No Way Home probably became, for a lot of people, the first movie they went back to. Now, they've updated that, say that has gone down to 25%. So there are still a lot of people who were at least semi-regular moviegoers pre-pandemic who have not yet started going back. But that number is going to start to expand, as we saw with Spider-Man No Way Home. So... Yeah, it may not be back to pre-pandemic levels, but I think you're right. I think this will be the first summer that we feel like this is a legitimate blockbuster season now that we haven't had in a while. And also when studios hopefully are not releasing movies directly to streaming, but are, I mean, is Warner brothers going to do the same thing that they did last year? Are they still continuing with that? We're releasing it on HBO max at the same time as we're no. releasing no, it in theaters. No, they said they're they'll, done with that. They'll never do there that you again. Go. So that's, that's why a, Batman was just in theaters. So. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's also going to have an effect on it. So let me ask you then, Rob, let me start with you. What do you think? is going to be the biggest thing. I mean, obviously, we uh, like I just said it's going to be Avatar 2. If the trailer comes out and I don't think it's very impressive, I'm, I'm going to reserve the right to change yeah, my guess. We, but we always where are you at that. right now? Okay, I your top five, I am with you, but I would make some shifts in your list. All right. I would bring uh, Jurassic Park up to number three in front of Thor Love and Thunder. Okay. So for me, number one, Avatar 2. I completely agree with everything you said. Number two is Doctor Strange. I don't think Doctor Strange gonna do, is going to do Spider-Man numbers, but I think it's going to come. It's going to be in that realm. Number three is Jurassic World Dominion. Number four, I'm going to put Aquaman in front of Thor: Love and Thunder at number five. Really good. Put you think Aquaman has a better chance of being the biggest film of the year well, over Love, Thor: Love and Thunder? Only because I believe that Aquaman outgrossed. It it really depends. Those two movies. It depends. We haven't seen trailers on either one of them, so it's hard to say. Just like we haven't seen Avatar two. But I would estimate with with what Aquaman did at first. If it's great and if it's crazy and fun, it could probably make more than what it made first. And I think Thor has never. I don't know if Rag did Ragnarok make a billion. I don't know. Yeah, if it did. I believe it did. I'm not sure, but I think that it again. It depends. But I, I would. I want to put Aquaman. But the the top five that you said. So um, Avatar two, Doctor Strange, Jurassic World, 
Aquaman and Thor Love and Thunder. That would be my choice. Do you have a guess which do you think is going to be the biggest film of the year when it's all said and done right now? I agree with you about Avatar 2, but I am actually going to go one step further than Rob, and I'm going to put Jurassic World Dominion at number two yeah, because I feel like that captures an entire audience that... <laughs> Thor and Aquaman does not capture, you know, it's the, it's, it's all the parents that want to bring their kids to see, um, to see the, the dinosaurs. It's all the, you know, the people who loved the original, um, Jurassic park and are going to continue seeing it because it was part of that franchise because it's part of that franchise. Um, so I, I, I definitely am putting Jurassic world dominion, Jurassic park world dominion at number two. It's going to be between those two avatar yeah. and Jurassic for me too. Yeah. Really? So you guys think Jurassic? You guys it's, think Jurassic is going to outdo Doctor Strange? Thor, love, yeah. Or okay, I do. It depends how good Doctor Strange is, though. It's also hard to say because Doctor Strange looks great, but it could be overkill. Yeah, it could be a mess. And, and it also might a be a one-hit wonder. It might. I mean, yeah. one of the reasons why these movies make so much money is not just because of the sheer number of people that are seeing it, but also the people that go, "Oh my god, that was awesome! I want to go see it again yep. because I want to see all the things that I missed." And Doctor Strange might. be be a really cool movie that people go check done saw it next like jurassic and avatar are spectacles to me that people would go see over and over and who knows where marvel those marvel movies are allowed to play i mean i mean it might not be able to play in china or whatever i mean that's, that's true, true. that, that, I mean, could, that so. could play a part that could play a role that's a really good point anyway guys the question is for you what do you think? I mean, obviously, we need to see how good the movies are. We haven't even seen trailers for some of them, so we're yeah. just blindly guessing and speculating. But if you had to guess right now what you think was going to be the number one film of the year at the box office that we, the moviegoers, make the biggest film of the year, what do you think we're going to make the biggest film of the year? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Are we going to do like a live trailer reaction? Okay, so, guys. Can we like it behind you? I think, I think, you uh, for what's that? Can you put it on the middle screen? Too no, so we don't, uh, no, oh. no. So I think what we're going to do now is a <laughs> bonus topic here. Because I'm dying. The Obi-Wan trailer has dropped. <laughs> Me too. The chat is which, losing their mind. Which I think we kind of suspected they were going to do once the Entertainment Weekly images came out. We'll talk about the Entertainment Weekly images a little bit later. So what I think we're going to do, even though I'm, I'm not sure we should do a live viewing of this. I'm I'm afraid Disney will pull our pull the show down. No, I don't think we should do a live, but but you could have a camera on our faces while we watch it. And turn oh, the sound just do off. a reaction video, <laughs> uh, and maybe just uh, and not actually have it up on thing. And so, well, we me me and yeah, me and Aaron could watch it right here. Yeah, but we can't have the sound on. Oh yeah, that's that's fine. I'll just imagine All right. what they're saying. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I don't listen to story. Here's here's the trailer. The the, the trailer's right here. But the, the last time we showed a bit of a trailer, Warner Brothers pulled our video down. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Now, I freaked out a bit on Twitter, and they immediately put it back up. <laughs> but I don't know if I want to uh, risk it here. Okay, I'll tell you what. We will watch it. I'm going to have you guys, all, all three of you guys, come around here. <laughs> I've got my trash popcorn. That's So we are going to watch the Obi-Wan trailer. I will not have it up on the screen, though. All right, I will not have the Obi-Wan trailer up on the screen. Uh, you may hear it, but uh, we'll see for a second. So we are, here it is, just so you see, we've got it here. Okay, so I, I, we got it up. So I'm gonna take this off screen because I don't want this thing to get pulled down. Uh, I don't like doing live, I don't like doing uh, 
trailer reactions. But so here we go. We're going to put it on here. We're going to watch it. And I'm going to play it right now. All right, desert. All right. Imagine that. They've gone back to Tatooine. Ooh, I like that. We lost. Oh, nice. Okay. Checking out, watching Luke. Creepy stalker. Oh, Duel of the Fates. Okay, Duel of the Fates. There we go. That's an Inquisitor ship. <laughs> oh, who's that? Is that the Prime Inquisitor? There we go. Ah, oh, Joel Edgerton. Okay. <laughs> oh my god is it probably the prime inquisitor all right all right this That's a limited series, one season only. At the bottom, it should uh, forget Boba Fett. Forget <laughs> just forget about Boba Fett. All right, all right, all right. We just watched the trailer. We just watched the trailer. Uh, that looked cool. Can I just point out? You can tell that this series is directed by a good Canadian kid. <laughs> That's right, good Canadian girl directed this entire series. Okay, I gotta say that looks pretty good. That's a good palate cleanser. All right, well, we just watched it. Dude, Rob, what, the, what's your reaction As to soon this? as the Duel of the Fates kicked in, I had chills the entire time. Duel of the Fates is, uh, yeah. That's I mean, even 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 the, 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 the things between oh, victory or defeat or whatever, man, I'm in. I yeah. mean, but, but, and, and even though I think that it leans a little heavily on Tatooine, I understand why. We get to see new Star Wars worlds we haven't seen before. There's stuff in there we haven't seen in live action. I'm excited. You know, seeing McGregor as uh, Obi-Wan, I don't know when he... I just feel safe. He makes me feel yeah. safe. I don't know why. Like, he's protecting all of us from a bad TV show. <laughs> he's going to protect us all from a bad series. Man, that... I got to say, it's very... It looks very impressive to me. Uh, it looks serious. I love the tone of it. You know, I, I just read that Deborah Chow said, thank you, George Lucas, for casting Joel Edgerton as... Uh, Owen, Uncle Owen, Owen Lars, because apparently, you know, he's he's progressed a long way yeah. as an actor since since the end of Revenge of the Sith, what, 17 years ago. And so how cool is it that she inherits this great actor? And apparently he's got a big part to play. We're going to be talking about an image a little bit later on where I actually really like Uncle Owen. Mm hmm. And there's this great picture where he's standing face to face with an inquisitor, and he ain't fucking impressed in the least. And I'm like, that wizard's just a crazy old man. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see Joel Edgerton do it. 
Aaron, you just saw the the Obi Wan trailer. What did you think of it? I mean, I th- I thought it was really cool that they shot it on Arrakis. You know, I mean, that, I mean that looks great. <laughs> that's like you know, I, like we're totally different worlds, but using the same locations. So I feel like Arrakis is going to be kind of like the new Vancouver for Hollywood. Um, so that was pretty cool. No, I I'm I'm really excited. I agree with Ray. Um, you and McGregor. Yeah, he just makes you feel safe. Anything that he's a part of, you just go, yeah, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And um, and I and I and I do love him. I mean, just, just the fact that you can close a trailer on him just looking, and you go, uh, oh yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Like, all he has to do is turn his head. That's an actor. He's <laughs> just what? turning his head, and that's like, oh my god, it's brilliant. <laughs> what did you think, John? What did you? Um. Okay. So it was a little different than I was expecting, but. I mean that in a in a good way. Um, the leaning more into the Inquisitor. I mean, we knew from from earlier reports that there was going to be at least an Inquisitor in this, right? Um, but they kind of dive into it more than I thought they would. Is there anything that scares you at all in that trailer that you saw? Um, the only thing that scares me, honestly, and there's nothing they can do about it. There's there's absolutely nothing they can do about it. It's and we're going back to Tatooine again, uh, yeah. but. It's it's Obi Wan. I mean, like, what is that's where he is. I mean, what you don't really have a choice if you're going to do an Obi Wan story. It's going to have to kind of mainly focus on Tatooine. That's I mean, we speculated over the last couple of years about whether or not Obi Wan will present a story, a mission, an adventure that Obi Wan has to go on that takes him off world. And we are definitely going to be off world at some points, and we see that in this. Not every single shot was on Tatooine. So my, I guess my one fear has been what it has always been was that it's yet again more on Tatooine, but I get it. It's an Obi-Wan story. Of course it has to be Obi-Wan. It has to, it has to be on Tatooine. Yeah, I mean, I, I always believe that, that Obi-Wan came and went, you know, like Gandalf comes and goes. Um, and and I, <laughs> the idea that, what's he doing? Staying in his little cabin? You know, I, I, it makes sense to me that that just like the rebellion went to Obi Wan in Star Wars, it I would think other people or people that might know know where Ben Kenobi is would go to him between the end of Sith and the beginning of Star Wars, and he would be involved in certain shenanigans because of who he was. There's no reason why he just had to oversee Luke. I I, I have a request for uh, Star Wars Lucasfilm whatever. Let's go back to space sometime in the future and like, <laughs> let's keep it there for a little bit. Like the uh, Patty Jenkins thing. Was that, was that scrapped? The I rogue, forgot our last. No, apparently they, uh, technically, uh, technically speaking, it is still on the books and it's still happening. Well, I can't so they say, I can't wait to go back into for space. rogue squatter. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, the, they did. One of the things they did in this trailer was they pulled the only two redeeming things about the prequels. One was that Ewan McGregor was a good Obi-Wan. Great Obi-Wan. Uh, he, like, when you're trying to fill the shoes of a, a Sir Alec Guinness, that is a tall order. And I felt like through the prequels, Ewan embodied Obi-Wan more and more. Like, from the younger one that we got. But it wasn't just that Obi-Wan was younger in Phantom Menace. Ewan McGregor, hadn't, I, don't, I don't really think he had got it yet. But as you progress through the prequels, as bad as they are, you could tell he just became more and more at home as Obi-Wan. And, and for generations, but he is Obi-Wan. And it was so exciting at D23 when he came out on stage and said, I am Obi-Wan again. But the other thing that they got from the prequels, that was the one really good thing about the prequels, Duel of the Fates. I mean, 
listen, I can be making popcorn. If you put on Duel of the Fates, it'll become the most epic thing that happens to me that day. Like, I mean, the, the Duel of the Fates is is right up there with the Imperial March and the fanfare and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's how good that piece of music is. So you put that in here, totally great. The only other thing for the prequels that was anything redeemable and really great was the pod race scene. So, but I don't think we're going to see any pod you races on Tatooine here. I, I know. I would have to say that I think that the, I've always said that the prequel trilogy, they're not good movies, but they're good Star Wars stories. Well, I'm glad you believe that. And, but we're not here to talk about the prequels. But, we're here to talk no, about but, Obi-Wan. But, well, no, what I would say is that everything that has come after, I think the Clone Wars animated series, Rebels, uh, there has been so much that has come after the prequels that have helped to redeem what the prequels were. I, I disagree. Uh, but also, anyway. One last thing. You know the um, the music you're talking about, Duel of Fates. Duel of Fates. I cannot wait to hear Obi Wan's main theme because I've loved the Book of Boba Fett main theme and mm. the Mandalorian mm-hmm. main theme. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Both those. They've done are a great. great job with the yeah. music in them, for absolutely for sure. And it looks like, I mean, look, trailers can be misleading, but it looks like it's bringing the action. It looks like it's going to bring the drama. I, I tell you what, the the best moment in this trailer to me, and I'm going to see if I can find it here. But the best moment of the trailer to me was not seeing the uh, not seeing the Inquisitors, not seeing space. The best moment for me that made my heart flutter was him looking through the binoculars and yeah. seeing young Luke. Yep. A young Luke who is sitting on that iconic little hovel. And you can already see this is a child who's already looking to the stars. He's sitting on there. He's pretending he's pod racing. He's got the the Annie goggles on. Like this shot to me was the one that really made my heart yeah. palpitate. I, Look, I love that shot. I really think this is a watershed moment for Star Wars as well. I mean, coming off of the less than satisfying Boba Fett and, and we've got the Mandalorian that people like. But this is a touchstone all the way back to the original Star Wars with, with Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is this is the heart, one of one of the beating hearts of what the Star Wars franchise is all about. They better stick the landing on this one, man, because if they don't, I think this has the potential to seriously damage the brand. There, there was a lot of le- red lightsabers in that trailer. Too. I know there, yeah. there wasn't a lot of light ones. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you this: this is the this is a shot in the arm that Star Wars really needed going into its forty fifth anniversary. It opens on the forty fifth forty fifth anniversary of the original film. If this sticks the landing, John, I mean this this is this is a this is a franchise polisher right here. This could bring a luster back to Star Wars that we haven't seen. I mean, The Mandalorian was great. But the Mandalorian still was kind of treading water. It was bringing Star Wars back up to where we always, we always thought it was anyway. But this could take it to new heights that we haven't seen in a long time. Here's the one thing, Ray. You're asking a little bit earlier something that I might be afraid of. Okay, here's something I'm afraid of. Oh, going back to a, a Star Wars show I really like, Rebels. I really liked Rebels. I'm I'm one of the few people I preferred Rebels over Clone Wars by several factors actually. But that's just me. But I loved Rebels. But I remember going into one of its latter seasons. They put out the trailer for the upcoming season, and they show that there's this fight between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine. And I'm like, oh, hell yes. And then we went through the season. We're waiting for it. And then episode after episode passed. didn't happen. And then finally, we came to the episode where it was going to happen. Here it is. They've been promising this. 
the whole season. They marketed it. This is the thing. It's going to be the big re the rematch between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Here we go. Block, stab, done. And it was like, <laughs> I, I, I've been I've been waiting four months for that. <clears throat> I mean, and don't, it was dramatically, it was a beautiful moment and the way he was holding Darth Maul as Darth Maul died again. Uh, as Darth what? Maul was dying again. He died? Yeah. Darth I thought Maul's, Obi-Wan uh, died in that. In, no, he, no, no, no. He should have. No, yeah, well, maybe he should have. <laughs> it's a good thing they didn't. But I mean, so my one fear would be, because Ray, you're saying, man, there's a lot of red lightsabers. My one little fear, and it's only because of what happened with uh, Rebels, would be that we go through this whole season. Because now, I wasn't going into Obi-Wan thinking, I got to see a lot of lightsaber fights. I wasn't thinking that at all. But I am now. <laughs> After watching that trailer, now I want to make sure we get some good light. And my only fear is that they'll disappoint us on that. There's, I hope they don't. There should be no fears. Uh, this has been in the works for the longest time. It won't suffer from what Boba Fett suffered from, which I think still till this day was like a knee jerk reaction release. Right. Like we didn't hear about Boba Fett at all that series. So, look, I think this trailer does what a great trailer does is it makes you excited about seeing the show. It absolutely and does. I think from that perspective, it was a great trailer. It's very intriguing. It looks like it provides the same thrills we all, we all want from Star Wars. And it, it does look like we go into space a little bit because I am so tired. I mean, I understand <laughs> I understand the stagecraft technology is amazing, but man, has it gotten boring. Uh, uh, the locations, we're, we're in a giant universe full of thousands of planets and to be stuck on Tatooine or <laughs> Jakku or whatever. I mean, come on, man. Let's go back to Bespin. <laughs> or, or somewhere we've never been. Yeah, let's take us a place we haven't gone. But you're right. The main job of the trailers to wherever your excitement level is, bump it up a few notches. You got me. They that got did me, it. John. They did got they me. Did they say a release date at the end of it? That's a good it's question. May, it's May 25th. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we already oh, knew May that. Oh, that's yeah, right. We already knew that. Yeah, yeah May 20th. Hold on a second. I mean, every time I want out, they pull me back. <laughs> yeah, every time I want. Hold on a second. Dude, I already saw Hot Toys I want to buy from this show, and that's really pretty much the most important <laughs> of thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, this, it it just, it looks sharp. It looks great. It had the drama. It set us up for disappointment. <laughs> I feel like it also, it has a, a, a gravitas that I don't feel like, and I and I loved Boba Fett. I, I, I actually said the controversial uh, statement that I particularly right. enjoy Boba Fett more I than Mandalorian. Too. But, my, um, but yeah. I feel like Boba Fett had a certain degree of levity to it with some of the characters. Um, the, uh, I don't know, it, 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 this seems a little bit more, dare I say, adult. Mm -hmm. You know, it just seems like it's not as um, visually stimulating to as, as Boba Fett in the world of funny characters with you know like the pantyhose heads and you know twilights that's what they're called those things yeah um i do i just feel like this is a little bit more i don't know it, it just felt it, it felt heavier it felt deeper felt a little bit more grounded um and a little less mm, a little less fantasy and a little bit more uh wow this actually could be real you know, the word in fan circles, though, that I can't get over, I think it's great. I, I don't know who actually made this one up. Anticipointment. Oh, Anticipointment wow. is my favorite fan-created word, and this has set me up. 
I just want to say, you know, on one hand, I am set up for some really, really quality disappointment from this trailer. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, all I'm going to say is this trailer, once again, proves when you get a Canadian to direct things, it just turns out better. How do you explain Star Trek V? Ouch. Sorry. By that point, he was uh, he had his American citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, uh, I love you. Know, everyone knows I love Bill Shatner. I, By the way, he's going to he be ninety one on March twenty second. Ninety one. I said what you just said reminds me about when there was a, the Olympic gold medal hockey game a couple of Olympics ago was coming up and it was USA versus Canada, and it said uh, uh, somebody on the American team wrote on Twitter and the tagging the Canadian team saying loser has to take Bieber. <laughs> and and then one, one of the players from the Canadian team wrote back, you broke them, you keep them. <laughs> you, yeah, you break them, you bought it. Um, which by the way, Ann just went to a Bieber concert last night or two nights ago. And she just said it was one of the best shows she's ever of been to. Of course it so, is. He's talented, a great man. showman. He's very talented. Yeah, good for Bieber. Leave him alone. And by the way, everyone knows William Shatner is my favorite you know, my favorite singer, iconic, <laughs> one of my favorite singers. Yes, absolutely. This album. But mm. I mean, William Shatner's career is one of the great careers in all of entertainment history. I ha- one more and question. You know what? Part of it was because he had American citizenship. <laughs> one more is Mandalorian season two out this year? Is this the only Star Wars series we're getting? I believe it's, is it not? I thought, I thought they said, I think we're getting Mando yet? season three in December. Yeah. Are I, think it's, yeah I think it's three, December this year. Yeah. Okay. So I was about to say this would be the last Star Wars uh, series we get for the rest of the year. Better be damn good then. Yeah. All right. Question is, guys, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this more tomorrow as well. But the question is, guys, did you have a chance to see this Obi-Wan trailer? We've only watched it the once. We might d- dissect it a little bit more tomorrow. Question is, what did you think about it? Whatever you thought, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay. <laughs> With that down, let's move into main topic Number three, Ooh, shall I love we? It when you put up that graphic. Aaron, <laughs> what is our third main I'm topic sorry, can today? I just say what just happened? <laughs> no, what just happened? So Ray just reached in his drawer because I'm over here eating the um, the jalapeno popcorn that you threw away. And he handed me a plate and I thought it was because I was getting like popcorn crumbs everywhere. And then I realized, no, he was handing me a plate so that I would put a big handful of popcorn. So here, Ray, here is... She's all, thank you. And I was like, like no. Thanks, Ray. And he's like, no, give me some popcorn. I'm hungry. All right. Uh, main topic number four comes to us three from, number three excuse me <laughs> comes to us from kyle arking no nope. john is it, is it i think it's i'm at- sorry am i just switching oh hello hello oh my goodness thank you so much yes uh, popcorn <laughs> through me uh topic number three uh comes from tom, comes to us from arkshad Hi, John and crew. The showrunner of Moon Knight recently said that Moon Knight joining the Avengers is the long-term goal at Marvel. I don't know about you, but I was hoping Moon Knight to be a character like the Punisher who flies solo because his codes are often not too good for the morality of the team. I was hoping Moon Knight would show up in the larger MCU to just help temporarily with a big issue, but would largely keep it to the streets. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And actually, there's been a couple of things regarding Moon Knight that have come out just over the like the last day or so. Let's focus on this one first, the whole idea about what is the future of Moon Knight? Well, I mean, it's difficult to say what the future of Moon Knight is when we really don't know. Like, Rob, you were saying before, this Moon Knight iteration is really not like, at least it's certainly not identical 
to any of the Moon Knight iterations we've had before. It seems to be a, a, a conglomeration of yeah, an amalgamation, amalgamation of different, of different things. things. Yeah. So it's hard to say before we see a single episode, really, what is the true nature of the character going to be once we get to the show? And we've only got a few weeks to go until the show comes out. Also, and then what will the future of it be? However, obviously, the writer of the show was asked, like, hey, are we going to see this guy in the Avengers? Right. Which is kind of our starting assumptions that any character in the MCU is going to end up being in the Avengers, which is probably not true. We're probably it's probably not going to be every single heroic character we see is going to end up in the Avengers. That's probably not the case. But will it be for Moon Knight? Well, this is what they said. This comes to us from the director who wrote the following. When asked if the show would serve as the launch pad for a much larger crossover with the MCU, being in the Avengers, Jeremy Slater, Moon Knight's head writer, admitted that he doesn't know the character's future. If it's up to him, the Umbrella Academy scribe pointed out that he would love to see Moon Knight become a member of the Avengers in the future. The honest answer is, he said, I don't know, because Kevin Feige is the guy who decides all that stuff. Look, if it was up to me, it would be part of the Avengers. It's absolutely not up to me, but I think that is the goal. So, in one hand, he's saying, and again, thanks to the direct for, for bringing us that. On the one hand, he's saying, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. But then on the other hand, he's saying, but I believe that's the goal. So at some point, there were conversations mm -hmm. about what the future of Moon Knight is going to be. And it does sound like he's at least been, it's been mentioned to him that getting him into the Avengers at some point is apparently one of their targets that they're going for. Now, another interesting thing has come out this morning about Moon Knight. And it shouldn't be a terrible surprise, but there are reports right now going around, and I believe it came from the Disney Insider, that are reporting that Mark Ruffalo is going to be in Moon Knight. Now, whether he's going to be Hulk or not, we're not 100% sure. But this comes to us, uh, again, from over there. Let me see if I can get it back to where we were talking about it here. Oh, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, where does it says? Here it goes. The Diz Insider show shared that Mark Ruffalo will appear as Bruce Banner slash Hulk in Marvel Studios Moon Knight, which premieres on March 30th, which we are getting really damn close to. We know Moon Knight is coming out this month, but we have exclusively heard that Bruce Banner, Mark Ruffalo himself, will premiere in Moon Knight. Will premiere in Moon Does that mean he's going to be in episode one? Now, listen, on the one hand, this shouldn't surprise us. Because we already know he's popping up in She-Hulk. We saw that in the in the preview they gave. So we know that. So it wouldn't be terribly surprising if he popped up in one or two other things as well. Although I got to say off the top of my head, how the hell does Banner fit in with what's going on here? So Rob, you are our Moon Knightologist here. <laughs> and not a lot of people know that at the University of Birmingham, Moon Knightology is an actual MA it's course true. that you can take there. And you are a doctorate. Well, in the moonology, let me ask you the two things here. Number one, the speculation about could Moon Knight actually as a character fit in to be a member of the Avengers? Number two, do you believe the report? Because working for it, he's popping up in other things. Working against it, how does he fit in? But so number one, do you believe he'll be a member of the Avengers? Number two, do you believe this report that we're going to see Banner pop up in this? Yes, because well, first, let me address the Hulk issue. Moon Knight back in the day, was a backup in the Hulk magazine. So it was, and I believe, if memory serves, that's that backup was when Bill Sienkiewicz first started drawing Moon Knight, my favorite Moon Knight artist. So to have, it, it's a, it really honors the character by having Banner and the Hulk show up in some way in the Moon Knight series. I think that's a really cool thing. 
I, you know, I don't know from a storyline standpoint how they were going to make that work with this iteration of Moon Knight. But in terms of the history of the character, kudos once again, kudos to Kevin Feige for that kind of honor for the character. Two, Moon Knight was in West Coast Avengers for a time, yep. has been in the original Avengers. So Moon Knight, it's not like Moon Knight is out of the out of the running to be an Avenger. He has been in the comics. But I would like to say that what is the name of our viewer on this one, this topic? Uh, uh, a shot, I think it was. A, sh a mm -hmm. shot. I agree a with shot. I am, I am, I, he and I park our shuttlecrafts in the same shuttle bay. I totally, I totally agree with you. I prefer Moon Knight as a single character the same way I prefer Daredevil. I, I like Daredevil as sort of a singular entity. That doesn't mean that they can't team up. Just like a Spider-Man story. Spider-Man worked well in the Avengers. I think Moon Knight can work well in the Avengers. But I prefer these characters on their own. And I think Moon Knight works best when he is on his own just because of the kind of character that he is. By the way, I should mention, uh, for those of you watching, Chris Carr is now joining us in the uh, in the live chat. She's oh, not here hi, Chris. Her, her, car broke, her car broke down again on the way here. She's got a new car coming, everybody. Don't worry. She's got a new car coming. It's good to see Chris this Carr in the live chat. This whole crew has new cars. Yeah. I mean, if, when Chris yeah. gets her new car, we're all like... Well, there's Ray. one who doesn't. Ray, if anybody in this room needs a new car, it's right. Yeah, I know. He's, he's got to get himself a new car. But at any rate. Well, he's a sharp-dressed man. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look at how sharp he dresses. He Ray, looks good. Honestly? He looks good. The 10% the, the of my wardrobe, I'm not kidding, the 10% of my wardrobe <clears throat> that is actually presentable... Because I, I listen, I'm a schlub when it comes. To, I, 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 I have no fashion real, sense. You're just a real guy. I have no fashion <laughs> sense. I have no fashion taste. I've owned this shirt for eight years. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, whatever. Tom is the same way. He has not bought new clothes. He will literally wear the. I'll be like, I'm throwing this shirt away, and he's like, I got that shirt my sophomore year of college. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I will no. secretly take. But I do want to point out and throw the them away. Ten percent. Maybe five percent. The five percent of my wardrobe that has any style value whatsoever <laughs> from me. It's from Ray. Either Ray got it for me as a gift, or B, I was just over at his house and said, "Hey, that looks good. Can I borrow that?" <laughs> and I or, yeah, I'll have it. something hanging it up, and John will be wearing it the next day. I'll be like, <laughs> "I'll be like, hey, that looks good on you. Just keep it." Just it does. It, bro. Like Ray has excellent fashion. The, the only really thing we, I don't want to trade is shoes. I never believe no, anyone should wear any The best shoes. pair of shoes I have, you bought me. <laughs> yeah, I just bought you. The best pair of shoes I own, Ray got me. Dude, I'm just no excited. Spring is coming so I can wear all my geeky t-shirts. And I have to say, this shirt, our friend Cliss Stevenson made this shirt for me. Gave it to me over the weekend. This is Stand an actual, up. We can't really see it. Oh, you can't. Oh, sorry. Yeah. There, what, this, this is an ad this is the actual ad for when Apocalypse Now opened. Oh, that's at cool. Cinerama, uh here in LA. And this is the he what he's been doing is taking original newspaper ads <gasps> and making t-shirts out of them. Awesome oh my god, idea. I love that. Okay, well, uh, as awesome as Cliff is, we should get back to Moon Knight. Yes. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it looked like Moon Knight yesterday. We were talking about Moon Knight a little bit. Okay, so I, I'm actually very curious to ask uh, Aaron about this because you know, as the non- geeky comic book person in our group mm. I, I am curious where's your thoughts on where's your anticipation level right now from for moon knight and what do you think about the possibility of a mark ruffalo because hey listen when they brought in spider-man for the first time they thought you know what this is brand new to the mcu let's support it by having a very familiar character in with it and they brought in iron man 
they they did that with like, hey, Black Panther, we're bringing him in. Let's have him surrounded by recognizable characters. So let's bring him in in Civil War. It is not outside of Marvel's playbook. So where's your anticipation level right now for Moon Knight? And what do you think about the idea of bringing in Banner? That trailer for Moon Knight slayed me. I loved it. I loved, um, first of all, I think Oscar Isaac is such a brilliant mm -hmm. actor. And so the addition of him in anything, especially in the MCU, is beautiful um the use of kid cuddy's day and night uh I, <laughs> I still i just i love i love 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 when they when a song is beautifully resurrected um and used in such a brilliant way and i also really enjoyed the way that they showed the psychosis and his and and the anxiety that he was feeling i actually felt like i was crawling out of my skin watching it and so i'm really excited about the show first of all i'm surprised with that mark ruffalo is going to make an appearance i feel like bruce banner pops up and everything i mean all of a sudden we're watching shang uh shang chi and there's bruce banner i mean i feel like yeah he's that's true i forgot about that he's one. sort of like the one guy and it makes sense he's a scientist so anytime that there's some unexplained phenomena that someone's like i don't understand what's happening to my life all of a sudden bruce banner is like well here let me tell you what's going on yeah he's always kind of lurking around the mcu like "Ooh, who's having a problem they can't solve let me like you know tell let me mansplain to you why you're this weird mummy character um so no i i i am not surprised that bruce banner is popping up you know my initial response when i hear that uh, Moon Knight might pop up as an Avenger is, well, that doesn't work because the Avengers are kind of goofy. Because I think... <laughs> what? No, no, hold Whoa. on! Hold on! Hold on! Them's fighting words. Okay, alright. I'm not even going to look at the chat right now I'm because I'm sure that... No, <laughs> no, no, no. When I say that, I mean that, you know, like Captain America and Thor... And Iron Man, they're always trading these barbs with one another. And they're always kind of like, you know, they'll give Hulk a little poke. And, you know, they're kind of, they kind of tease each other like friends do who work really well together. So when I think He's of the Avengers, work. <laughs> I think about that kind of jovial, goofy, you know, kidding around kind of environment. And I go, well, I don't really feel like Dark Knight fits with that. But then I think about... Um, you know, Miss Marvel. And I think about some of these other, you know, I think about Black Panther. I think about all these other people um, that come in and they don't do all that, you know, jokey, goofy, you know, let me just tease you a little bit. Let me give you a little ribbing. It's more those central characters that have that relationship with each other. So then I go, oh, no, actually, when it comes down to the real stuff that the Avengers do, which is fighting the bad guys and solving the world's problems. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think that Dark Knight could fit into oh, this. Moon Knight. I'm sorry. Moon Knight. Moon Knight could fit into this beautifully. If they all of a sudden have him, you know, trading barbs with Thor, I'm going to go, uh, that's a little, that's a little outside. I, I, I have a suggestion. Don't go back into the chat for the rest of the day. <laughs> but the backpack on, on what Aaron was saying, Oscar Isaac, I don't, I don't care for any cameos. I believe he could carry this whole series by himself. I agree. Yes. His talent is above, uh, yeah. like, top level. And also, Rob, did you see the new Moon Knight poster? I'm using it for our thumbnail. The one that, it's the, incredible. The, the Korean version? The one with the moon behind him? Yeah. And he's standing. You see yeah. his suit? But is yeah. the moon falling behind him? No, not uh, in that world. Missed opportunity. No, they use that poster on the Korean art, too. It's amazing. Yeah, it looks great. Amazing. All right, guys. Question is for you. 
What do you think about this stuff? That uh, the idea of Moon Knight becoming an Avenger. It's hard to say good or bad when we haven't seen the show yet. What do you think about the idea of Mark Ruffalo coming in? Do you believe he will? If so, do you think it's a good idea? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? Aaron, what is our fourth main topic today? This comes to us from Kyle Arking. Hi, John and crew. Hello. It has been announced that the sensational Florence Pugh has been cast as Princess Irulan in Dune Part 2. I screamed in the middle of Target when I heard this news. <laughs> Princess, am I pronouncing that right, Irulan? Yeah. Irulan? Princess Irulan plays a major role in the second half and in the sequel, so I'm really excited. I can't wait to hear who will play the Emperor. My pick is Christian Bale. Thanks, and have a great day. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, listen, for those who know Dune and the Dune story, as fantastic as the movie is, one of the things that will jump out to you right away is, where's the princess? They didn't have the princess there. Now, if you go back to the sci-fi miniseries of Dune, they introduced the princess very early on mm -hmm. in their iteration of because she does play such a major role. If you know the Dune story, in the overall narrative and where the movie ends up, where the story ends up. She's incredibly pivotal and important in all of it. So where is she? And it left people like me wondering, because I remember after I first saw Dune, I think I brought it up on the show, it's like, I wonder if maybe they took some creative liberty and they're just going to not have the character in there. They're going to come up with something else. That didn't make a lot of sense because they're following pretty closely in a lot of other ways. But still, no princess. Well, we've got our princess now. She's here, and she is one of the hottest stars in the world right now in Florence Pugh. This comes to us from the folks over at Slash Film who write the following. Arguably the most in-demand young actor around, Florence Pugh, has entered talks to join Dune 2. And this won't just be some throwaway role either. The actor is apparently being courted to portray Princess Irulan, Irulan uh, a character who is an enormous influence in the author Frank Her uh, Herbert's original Dune novels and who stands to play an integral role in the films to come. Should this casting pan out and fans both Pugh, fans of both Pew herself and the actual IP should certainly be hoping that it does, it would represent the first major casting addition to the sequel, with Pew joining the A-list ranks of those who will be reprising their roles for another go-round in the battle for control over the desert world of Arrakis and, well, the Empire at large, because, damn it, the spice must flow. And I'll tell you what, uh, this is phenomenal. I mean, look, Denis Villeneuve is, I might go out on a limb right now and say he might be the biggest director right now that actors want to work with. Like, everybody will want to be in a Christopher Nolan film. Everybody will want to be in a Steven Spielberg film. Everyone may want to be in an Antoine Fuqua film. Everybody may want to be in, in whatever, or an Ava DuVernay film, whoever. Or Scorsese. But, or Scorsese, another one. But I think right now, the one that everybody wants to work with is Denis. And so when you look at the already absolutely stacked cast of Dune, would it be a surprise if one of the most in-demand actresses right now in Florence Pugh would also be lining up to be on that list? I'm not surprised at all. And you know what? I think now that I think about it, I think the on-screen chemistry between her and Timothy Chalamet would be awesome. But it does raise a great question about, well, then who's the damn emperor? Who do they? Because we didn't see him either. And again, in that miniseries, he, he arrived fairly And that's early. her father, so it can't yeah. be Christian Bale. Yeah, no. So Christian well, Bale can't be Florence Pugh's father. Or maybe, yeah, he maybe could. he could, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Why he could. He? he totally could. 
You got to um, get somebody. You got to get an older actor to play the emperor. I, I, I guess. If Sally Field could be Daniel Day Lewis's wife in uh, <clears throat> in Lincoln. There's, I mean, anybody can be anything. Oh, let me do this. Hey, uh, Google, uh, how old is Christian Bale? So we find the Christian Bale is forty-eight years old. So Christian Bale's forty. He did. He could easily be her dad. Stop. Now Google one shot. shot. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he could totally be it. Again, I don't do the X actor and X role sort of things. Just make sure you get a really great actor and I'm totally fine. Christian Bale certainly falls under that category. And we're about to see him in Thor Love and Thunder and score the God Butcher. So uh, they maybe have him pop up in this too, but that will be interesting to see. Listen, um, by the time they get to the point where they're negotiating the contract, that already means the studio's decided she's the one they want. She's decided she wants to be in it. 95% of the time, once they enter this stage, it, it gets complete. So I'm just going to assume at this point she's going to be in it. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I always say just make sure who you're getting is talented. They got one of the hottest, most talented up-and-comers right now. You can't even call her an up-and-comer name. No. She's here. She's yeah. arrived. It's done. So I love this casting. I think it's great. Rob... You are our resident uh, masters in duology. Uh, not a lot of people know that at the University of Calgary, uh, <laughs> duology is an actual master's degree program there. Yeah, Professor, every, in, in Calgary, the first thing you think about when you walk outside is sand dunes. Yes, yes, exactly <laughs> what you think of when you're in Calgary. Uh, um, no. But you're a big dune guy. I, I love, what do you I think love of this? Dune. Uh, look, I think this is great casting. And Princess Erlen, like you said, in in David Lynch's Dune, she actually opens the movie. Right. You know, she's she's Virginia Madsen floating in space. The beginning is a very delicate time. <laughs> know then that it is the year 10,191. Uh, yes, it's true. And I think it's great. And I, I love it. I love Florence Pugh. I, I think she's great in anything. I mean, and she's got oh, just some amazing range. And I really think that she can also, she can play like a street level urchin and she can play royalty. And I think uh, she's one of our most exciting young actresses. And, and this role where she has to be regal and she's called upon. I mean, if they if they go on and make further Dune movies like I always thought they were going to make three Dune films. They were going to Dune. They were going to do Dune. Uh, then do Children of Dune, which would be a big deal for her or and Dune, and Dune Messiah. So I think it's great. I, I love this casting. Rob, how dare you not mention Dunefall? Dunefall. I, I, you know, I, I, well, you know, it's interesting you say Revenge that. Revenge of the butthole. Because that's kind of what that's kind of what happens if they're going to do Dune. If they're going to do Dune, Messiah, Children of Dune. There's a lot of Dune that's going to fall. There's a lot of people who die. Billions, in fact. Aaron, I know that uh, you're a fan of Florence Pugh. You like her work. You hear about this. What do you think? Is she a good match for Dune? Oh, I think that she, as Robert, as Rob said, she really um, has shown that she can run the gamut um, and is not of 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 types of movies that she can she can be a part of and roles that she can play whether it's a period piece um like when she did um what was the movie little women and then you know she is in the upcoming oppenheimer which as we've talked about on the show has a an incredible star yeah. studded cast she's in don't worry darling which is also an incredible star studded cast uh, i mean she she has so many so many different types of projects under her belt that you really can't pigeonhole her and put her in one specific spot um, as an actor, which is which is great. I mean, it's it's brilliant work on her part. It's brilliant work on her team's part. I also think that given the fact that she has been um, in a relationship with another famous actor for many years and seems to be able to keep her private life just that and her relationship status. Now I got to ask who who? 
She's been dating Zach Braff since 2019. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. He normally uh, likes uh, he normally likes the Filipino girls, but okay. Well, um, I don't know. What oh no, I I'm thinking of Zac Efron. I'm sorry. I, I'm totally thinking about <laughs> Zac Efron. Totally different guy. Uh, no, Zach Braff, as far as I know, has not had a thing for Filipino girls. Sorry, <laughs> just stop that rumor right now before it goes too Run far. Anyway, the two of Run them, it. Yes, the two of them have been in a relationship for uh, uh, for for a while. And, and, but yet, the thing that we all and and a lot of times, what we see is someone's relationship status with another celebrity you know will eclipse that but they've managed to really keep their private life private and let the focus be on her work which i think is really astounding especially for a young actress like let's all remember she's what 26 years old she is not you know she's not in her 40s this is a young actress and a lot of times with that degree of fame in a celebrity relationship in movie after movie after movie, it's so easy for um, young actors and actresses to, um, I don't know, f find that their career takes a back seat to the celebrity. And Florence Pugh seems to be someone who has made all the right decisions, whether it's in the team that she has surrounded herself with, the projects that she is choosing to work on, or simply just, you know, her attitude, uh, you know, it really, really speaks volumes to the kind of professional that she wants to be. And clearly other people are, are, are noticing that because they keep... Okay, and now we're talking about her. Yeah. I, shouldn't even have I shouldn't even have brought it up. Shouldn't have brought it up. That's, that's a way, my bad. For Sorry, people, Florence. For people who are wondering, Florence Pugh is 26. Zach Braff is 46. Go who did, Zach. Who, what's, his, what's he famous for? What role is he did He did Scrubs. Scrubs. And he oh, also, that's which right. was awesome. But I he also directed Scrubs. Garden State. Yeah, when he did a very, very which good Which I really love that movie. Yeah, and it, uh, it was fantastic. And he got really drunk with me once. Like, I didn't get drunk, but I was standing there with him. Is but he good drunk? Mean drunk? He nice was drunk? very funny. Hilarious Yeah, drunk. he's one of these guys who wants to start getting toxic, he just gets funny. I mean, so I that was... We actually thing. have common friends, so I've run into the two of them together uh, several times, um, and, they, and, and they could not be more lovely, and she could not be more kind and humble and just lovely, lovely people. Um, well, it's good to see. So. But anyway, back to Dune. Back Princess to Dune. <laughs> My God. Bring it on. That sounds good to me. Questions for you guys. What do you think about I think this is fabulous. Just adding more talent to this, getting Florence Pugh in there. Incredible. Who do you think could maybe play her father in this thing? Who knows? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number five, shall we? Aaron. What is our fifth main topic today? Our fifth main topic is from Greg G. The DC films for Warner Brothers have been a roller coaster, and that's putting it nicely. With the divided responses to the movies, the ridiculous never-ending drama over Zack Snyder, subpar box office results, aside from a couple like Aquaman, and endless other distractions. Considering standalone films like The Batman and Joker have been nothing but successful and drama-free, and with the new HBO spinoffs and sequels, for both films, is DC getting ready to shut down the DCEU for these standalone movies? If they did, do you think that would be a good idea? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Greg. And you know what? It has been kind of shocking how many people, how many people have been writing into me asking something very similar. It's like, oh, or, or telling me straight up, John, you don't get it. They're get, they're shutting down the DCEU. They're getting ready to shut it down. They haven't had nearly the success with it that they wanted, and that's fair to say. 
I think it's I think it is fair to say they haven't had the success that they were hoping to have with the DCU, although they've had some big successes. Um, and they start launching these standalone things like Joker only makes a billion dollars, only gets nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, only wins Joaquin Phoenix Best Lead Actor at the Academy Awards. Incredible success. Audiences love it. Blah, blah, blah. Now comes the Batman. Another absolute triumph that major trades like you know, Hollywood Reporter and Variety are already speculating about its Oscar, Oscar chances next year. Yeah. Mm. And it became only the second film since 2019 to break the $100 million mark on its opening weekend. It's going to have some pretty decent legs. They've got two spinoff shows coming to it to HBO in uh, Penguin and uh, the Arkham Asylum one that's focused on that. You know they're spinning up number two. We've all heard the rumblings that they're looking at doing another Joker, even though it was intended as a one-shot movie. But make a billion dollars be nominated for Best Picture of the Academy Awards tends to motivate (laughs) you to change things a little bit. So could it be? And then after hearing what Emmerich said the other day, but we're going to focus just on quality storytelling not connected to universe films, whatever. A lot of people came back to me and said, John, you're missing you're missing the forest through the trees here. They are going to wrap up the DCU, and they're going to just focus on these things. And it's not a crazy thing to ask or to guess, because you're right. All those things we just talked about were 100% true, that they have all this stuff, they have all the success here, nothing but drama and turmoil over here, you're not crazy for thinking maybe they can head in that direction. I, however, am going to propose to you that they have no intention of wrapping up the DCEU. Oh, wow. And I will tell you the two main reasons why. Main reason number one is that because it's because you don't have to have one or the other. It's not like DC has to make a choice. Do we do all shared cinematic universe or do we go all solo movies? You don't have to make that choice. You can do both. You can do both and have success at both. So there's no need to create this either or scenario that frankly doesn't exist. You can do both. So there's number one. The second thing, though, is it's become pretty clear to me that they are ramping up for a new phase of the DCEU. Like the Flash, if nothing else, is serving as, for lack of a better phrase, a palate cleanser for the DCU. They're going to rearrange, they're clearly going to do some rearranging of the DC cinematic universe with the flash where we're going to end up from there. We don't know, but we've got things like black Adam coming, you know, Dwayne, the rock Johnson has not been working on this film for 18 years just to come and have it be a one shot. We've got films like Aquaman coming and you know, with that being a billion dollar success and you know, they're looking further down the road. So I would say, while it is understandable to ask that question totally, I would say it's pretty clear that they are not going to be replacing the DCEU with these these Batman and Joker standalones because, number one, you get to succeed at both. Number two, to me at least, it looks pretty clear that they have designs of taking the DCEU into their next phase. So, no, I, I think we're going to be living with both. Rob, everything the person who wrote in said is true. There has been nothing but drama surrounding the DCU since it started, even going back to my beloved Man of Steel, which didn't get the reception they were hoping it would, didn't get the reception it deserved. Man of Steel is one of the greatest comic book films of all time. Anyway, that aside, the drama surrounding it, it never stops, all this kind of stuff, mixed various you know levels of success or lack thereof. 
Whereas with these standalones, nothing but gold and rainbows and beautiful butterflies and cotton underwear rubbing up against your privates. Okay. It's been wonderful for them. <laughs> Did I say something wrong? Sorry. It's been wonderful. Hopefully they're manscaped. It, and they got to be manscaped. It's been wonderful for them. I just don't see them moving away from it. I don't know. How do you see it? You know what? I'm going to say this. I hope it's not unpopular to say. What does it matter? I mean, ultimately... The Christopher Nolan Batman movies, they were essentially, call it a standalone trilogy, and we love them. Then you go on to Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and then Justice League. You could call that Zack Snyder's Justice League trilogy if you want. And then spinning out from that, we have, we have Zack Snyder's Aquaman being in an Aquaman movie that becomes its own thing. It's getting a second Aquaman movie. Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad are part of the DCEU. They spilled over to Peacemaker. Aquaman and Flash are in Peacemaker. Now you've got The Flash appearing with Ben Affleck, also part of the Zack Snyder extended DCEU, and with Michael Keaton. And if these movies are successful, because we don't have, there's nobody planning a DCEU cinematic universe. They've tried, but in my mind, it's like, We've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Everyone's talking about cinematic universes and continuity and all of this. I think in the case of DC, because they have a multiverse and you're tripping over it itself, or they're tripping over themselves anyway, I don't think it really matters. All I want is a great standalone movie. Is Black Adam, I mean, which is adjacent to Shazam, kind of, that's also in the DCEU. Does it really matter if we get good movies? And I would say for the DC universe, there is no Kevin Feige. There's no story group that's planning all of this. And they've said themselves, was it Toby, Ep- Toby Emmerich who came out, we yeah. reported, we just want great filmmakers making great movies. I think that's the right attitude to take. And if filmmakers want to avail themselves of telling a story where they're, they bring in multiple characters, good for them. But I think it's been proven that whether we're getting an Aquaman movie that's an adjunct to a DCEU movie or a Batman or a Joker movie, as long as they're good movies, it doesn't really matter. Because if we don't have somebody planning the universe, it's never going to be good. Now, look, the other thing we got to keep in mind here, too, the elephant in the room is this, is that Warner Brothers is about to be sold. It's about to be owned by, it's about to have a brand new boss. David Zaslav is buying Warner Brothers for Discovery, which still shatters my mind. You'd think Warner Brothers would buy Discovery, not the other the way around. Discovery Channel? The, yeah, Discovery is is buying Warner Brothers, and David Zaslav is going to be the new boss of Warner Brothers. And so really what the future of the DCEU is going to be determined by him once he takes possession sure. in, in the next couple of months. So there's that too, but it looks to me pretty clear that they are still planning on doing both. Aaron, you know, you've seen a number of these films and you just got out of seeing the Batman as well. Do you see them kind of canceling one for the other? Do you see them doing both? Do you have a preference between the two? What are your thoughts right now? Well, I mean, speaking of elephants in the room, the other elephant in the room is Joey's wearing her Wonder Woman. We got her Wonder Woman dress on. We do have an announcement. Uh, Joey Bishop has been announced as the the new face of the DCEU and will be starring in Super Pets as Wonder Woman's dog. Yes, and <laughs> yes, as Super Pets as Wonder Woman's dog. Um, no, I mean I, I agree with Rob. It's like you know, th- there's there's so many different avenues to go to, and th- with all of these different properties, and the idea that DC has to be a direct mirror of what 
Marvel is doing. I mean, I don't think that that's the, I, I don't think it has to be that, you know, let Marvel, let the MCU be the MCU under Kevin Feige and let, you know, DC do DC and have them do their spinoff series and their standalone films. And, you know, I mean, yes, I do think that their crossovers have not been successful, but clearly them trying to do what uh, the what Kevin Feige is doing, it's not working. And so them doing their own thing um, has resulted in billion dollar standalone films and highly successful streaming series. So let DC be DC and let the MCU be the MCU and give my dog a television show starring as Wonder Woman. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like, this is the face of... I mean, Gal Gadot is pretty, but I mean... By the way, we never, never did ask you, um, did you like... We never asked you on the show, did you like the Batman? Okay. Do you have a second? Sure. I won't... Okay. <laughs> Just a second. Okay. I I will say this. It has been haunting me for the last week, specifically the choice of using Something in the Way by Nirvana from the Nevermind oh, yeah. album. You know, I mean... In, in interviews, Kurt Cobain said that he wrote that song to uh, encompass the loneliness and despair um, that one can feel, not necessarily autobiographical. And when that song came out, I was a freshman in high school, which was a period of deep loneliness, darkness and despair in my own life. So uh, when I heard the song, it was um, it was a. Uh, uh, maybe there should have been a trigger warning for the Gen Xers in the crowd uh, because it was so powerful. And what I also loved is that song really is the only song that I remember being in the movie. And it was in it twice in two incredibly powerful places. Now, he could have easily... Uh, Matt Reeves could have easily pitched songs, you know, from a Nine Inch Nails Downward Spiral album or Pearl Jam 10 or even darker, like with KMFDM or Skinny Puppy or even Metallica. Like there, Ooh, there was nice so many skinny puppy pull. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you didn't think I knew about that shit, did you? So like there was so there's so many really cool albums from that time period that they could have drawn from to have a great soundtrack. But instead, he chose to focus on that song. And then if you notice in the score, the score really echoed that song. Yeah. So even when we weren't listening to that song, we were hearing that deep bass and that and, and it was just so troubling and, and beautiful. But I also love how the movie itself was um it was choreographed like a symphony. You really felt like you were riding waves of emotion. And just when things started to feel really dark, all of a sudden Batman would say something slightly humorous, like, wow, you've got a lot of cats. And it was in that moment that I realized that I am Selena Kyle <laughs> because I too have, have a, a lot, lot of cats. cats. Yeah. I am not like Selena Kyle in any other way, unfortunately, but I have a lot of cats. So I feel like she and I are, are one, but there was a moment and this is my last point. There was a moment and I'm, there's no spoilers here, but when Batman and Catwoman first meet one another and they think somebody's coming around the corner. So he pulls her in to kind of like, don't say anything. And without even saying a word or seeing an expression on their face, the way that their bodies held each oh, other, yeah. you could see that neither of these people 
had held or been held by another person in so long that there was something really sensual, but also so lonely about mm. it. Like I felt that in my soul. And then when we see upside down Batman walking from the fire, I felt that in my lady business. <laughs> like I got a lady erection from that shot. It was wow. so powerful. And for those of you who don't know, my three and a half month old son was in the theater watching the movie with us. With, and so, with headphones on. Uh, with headphones on. So I'm thinking that maybe like next weekend we'll go and see, I don't know, like Schindler's List or the documentary <laughs> of, uh, you know, uh, Amy Winehouse or maybe the Godfather trilogy. I just want my kid to have some light uplifting films <laughs> under his belt before he turns one. All right, guys. Question <laughs> is for you. I get the question about the phasing out of the DCU. I mean, to me, they're clearly not, but maybe you feel they do. How do you think about that? Jump on down to the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we've got one bonus uh, thing to do because it, it dropped earlier this morning. Of course, we already talked about the Obi-Wan trailer that dropped a little bit earlier, but we're going to circle back around and get a better look at some of the images there as we had Entertainment Weekly has dropped a bunch of higher still images and stuff like that for it. Now, we watched the trailer earlier, so we're just going to repeat on a couple of things that we've already seen. But some of these images are fantastic. Now, of course, we've got this one of Obi-Wan. That looks like it's off-world. This image doesn't look like it's on Tatooine uh, myself. I think that one looks off-world. I love the look of him there. I love him in the classic robe, all that kind of stuff. Here we get our first really good look at our Inquisitor which I think she's supposed to be the third sister. They, they've also given her a name. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but they've given her a name there. Then, of course, this shot with him and his uh, camel, his anteater camel that we probably see him <clears throat> riding through the desert a little bit early on. Is that what it's supposed to be, is an anteater? It, <laughs> it, um, you're thinking the, something the else? The ant infestation of Tatooine is well known. It's it reminds huge, me of my time problem. vacationing in Europe, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> then we've got another great look at our Inquisitor, uh, and then this is the shot I was talking about earlier mm. where Uncle Owen, Owen Lars, has zero shits to give <laughs> if you are an Inquisitor or not. I mean, look at the look on Joel Edgerton's face. And I like, this is a man who grew up in a desert. I got to fight every day to scrape droplets of water uh, yeah, out of the air yeah, i literally for moisture i literally forge moisture out of the air this is the life i have lived lady like i just i love the look on his face there then again we get some more good looks here at uh at you mcgregor as obi-wan looking great i love this shot Th this shot tells me and that is you mm. mcgregor in the background so it's beautiful it speaks to the isolation because you remember this Obi-Wan has gone from a life of living on Coruscant and being in the Jedi Temple and constantly surrounded, but now he's living this life of isolation. Mm -hmm. And that's something that this image kind of communicates to me, and I love that. And then again, we get to the cover of this Entertainment yeah. Weekly. Which looks fantastic. And this, by the way, is the last print version of Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. And yeah, they went we, out with a bang. What? Just like the, yeah, yeah, we talked about this the other day that Entertainment Weekly is going out of print. Just like the last cover of Cinefix after 40 gotta years was The copy. Mandalorian. Yeah, wow. I got to get this cut. Probably frame it as well. But, I mean, this image, Rob, I mean, this just looks dude, so great. 
Anyway, Rob, what do you think about the images that uh, MJ? Uh, like I said, I mean, I'm already quivering with excitement. I'm gonna have duel of fates in my brain all day long. The the earworm that it is. What a great choice of music! Come for on, that. man. Come I on, mean, uh, you you. If you wanted to be a little skeptical, you could say it was the safe choice because everybody knows everybody gets excited by Duel of Fates. Yeah, but it, but it, it was connected perfect. to Obi-Wan, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, you and know, it was, when they played it, that's when he took on Darth Maul with Qui-Gon Jinn. I mean, yeah, no, it was absolutely perfect. Ray, you had a chance to take a look at these images. Which one stand out to you? What do you think about them? That cover, i I mad that you took it down. That cover <laughs> is a beautiful cover. It's yeah. actually a really good cover. It's a clean Obi-Wan right there. Mm, yeah. When that, Looking that, straight down the barrel of the camera. The, the traditional, that's become a thing uh, lately, the last number of years, is like these posters with a lightsaber coming up on the side of the screen. <laughs> and that's all, they use it for the Star Wars sequels. It was all over the place. All I got to head to Barnes and get that copy. Yeah, I, really I think we got to get several copies. Aaron, you had a chance to take a look at these ones. Which one stood out to you? Oh, I really like the one where um, uh, the, the, the cave image oh yeah yeah i just think it's beautiful and um you know just showing the colors of it and i like how it it, it kind of lets you imagine what's happening um and and especially when we're leading up to it i want my imagination to be able to run away right now i don't want you to tell me everything i want to be able to imagine what's going to happen um you know think about what you know what what could have gone on in there what is what's ha what happened right before this moment yeah right that led to this because there's something really heavy and deep and dark happening right there i think again to me that the one is is this one i don't know there's just something about this image of uh, joel edgerton and it is going to be great to see him back again and again it's going to be awesome to see the inquisitors because we have only seen inquisitors in animated form i know up until this point and they were done really well. And I love the one in, I can't remember the name of the character. It might have been Second Sister in um, in Rebels. That was voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar, which is ironic because her husband, Freddie Pitt, Prinz, was the lead voice in Rebels. Yeah. So that was really, but we've never got to see these Inquisitors in live action. And from the looks of the trailer and these stills, I mean, the Inquisitor, this Inquisitor and the Inquisitors in general Look like they're going to play a pretty major part in this. Very exciting. Again, we're probably going to dive a little bit deeper into the Obi-Wan trailer tomorrow once we've had a chance to watch it like eight more times. The question is for you guys, talking about the stills, what do you think about these images released by Entertainment Weekly? Which one stands out to you the most? What does it say to you when you look at these pictures? Whatever your thoughts are, jump on down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With all that down, let's spend the rest of our time today hearing from you. You guys were firing in a bunch of comments and questions into the Super Chats. Let's go over there now and hear what you guys wanted to talk about. We're going to start things off here with A. Marcellus who writes, So, uh, we are finally getting the third sister, Inquisitor. I think Obi-Wan definitely kills her because she doesn't show up in Star Wars Rebels later on. Also, we might get live-action Grand Inquisitor. I think we are definitely getting Grand Inquisitor. I think we see him in the trailer. But listen, just because we don't see them in Rebels, remember, there's a lot of Inquisitors, and they can be all over the universe. I'm guessing she probably dies in the show, but it's not a foregone conclusion, eh, Marcel, so you never know. All right, next up, we've got Andy who writes, Since you've done Movie Club on Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, will you eventually do The Dark Knight Rises? I suggest doing it in July to commemorate its 10th anniversary. Andy, I can probably tell you we won't do The Dark Knight Rises because we generally are picking out the films we love over the past 25 years. The Dark Knight Rises is a movie I like. It's not a movie I love. And so I don't want to spend an hour and a half talking about a movie I'm not even all that thrilled with. Like, I like it. Don't get me wrong. 
But for that reason, we probably won't do the Dark Knight Rises. All right, next up. Assistant Professor X writes, uh, one of three. Oh, sorry. Uh, Marvel New York City Headquarters 2006. Number five. Uh, Favreau wants Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man. Avirad leaves over Clash with Frugal Perlmutter. A lot of people had clashes with Perlmutter. Who wants DiCaprio for Stark due to a- Aviator. Yeah, listen. There were a lot of people that did not want Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. The guy had sabotaged his own career twice at that point he was seen as a major 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 risk and it was a major risk and a lot of people at the studios did not want him but they decided to give it a shot and the rest is history all right anish writes one of three uh writing from a hospital because of the uh uh, beat down I received yesterday for suggesting we open the door for America for an American to play Bond. Um, you guys made the point that Bond being British is inherent to his character, unlike Superman being an American. So that's why an American can't play Bond, but a Brit can play soups. Um, so what did you guys think of Meryl Streep playing Margaret Thatcher, uh, Morgan Freeman playing Nelson Mandela, or Ben Kingsley playing uh, Gandhi? Thanks for the lively debate, guys. Again, it's it's irrelevant. Like when you're talking about like real individuals, right? Actors play individual play things that they are not. That's what actors do. You think the guy, any of the actors who have played Adolf Hitler in any of the World War II dramatizations were actually real life Nazis? No, of course not. Do you think that I was actually prostitute number one in Star Trek Enterprise? Well, you were also a madam in The Rookie this week. I, and I, just, I all, I'm yes, very say, true. Yes, and I was also a uh, a sex worker in Masters of Sex. I mean, Gee, the, there's a theme there's here. There's a theme I sense going on here. But, um, so in playing like real life characters, like James Bond, we went over this the other day, is an institution. Like James Bond is like, he is representation of everything that is great, right? About being from the UK. So, but playing real life people, no, I, I don't need an American to play John F. Kennedy. I don't need a South African to play Nelson Mandela. I don't need, I, look, I just want the best actor for the job to step in and pretend something that they're not. But then a fictional character like Bond is just an institution, so I think that's a little bit different. Rob, how would you address that? Well, no, I look, I've never understood we have this weird... I, I understand that there are certain kinds of people that haven't had the opportunities to act in, in, in movies and things like that. I agree with that. I think that that it'd be great to open it up to other kind, uh, different actors to play roles. But here's the thing. Actors are by definition playing people, as Aaron said, that they are not. And and to expect to expect certain uh, actors to embody or encompass some certain ideal of 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 somebody they're playing, like, is kind of absurd to me. Since all acting is pretend. But however, you know, I'm not going to. Uh, I don't think that I would cast anyone other than say an African American actor to play to play Martin Luther King. Well, because that's what he was. But you could make the argument where well, you could get, and I hate when people say that because no, you're trying to be evocative. If, if it's a real person, you want to be redolent of that person. You want people to believe that that person, you know, like the guy playing Elvis, I don't know his name. He doesn't look Austin ex- Butler. Austin Butler. He doesn't look exactly like Elvis. Oh, he doesn't look, when you look, just see regular pictures of him, he doesn't look remotely like Elvis. But right. you know what? There's scenes 
in that trailer where I'm like, that's Elvis Presley. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what you want because you want to be able, I think the best actor for the role, whoever makes you believe in the character the most is who should get the role. All right. We move on here. Next, we got Al Renshaw who writes, uh, Robert Meyer Burnett posted on Instagram a few days ago about Ray bringing in snacks to the office. What did he bring and what are some of the best snack foods he has brought in the past? The best snack food Ray's ever brought in were the soft and chewy chocolate chip cookies. Those are the, the best things you've brought in. But he, Ray, he what are you eating right great now? Granola bars. I stole a vanilla scone from your pantry. Oh, um, no. It's oh, yeah. Thanks a lot, asshole. Because no, you know who got blamed for taking it? Oh. Me. Those oh. are your sisters. He <laughs> oh blamed God. me. I'm totally he came good. into the living room. He's like, where's my scone? I'm like, oh what's going, baby? So She's like, don't play stupid with me. Where's my scone? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Now I know what happened. Oh, uh, you know, that same thing yeah. happened with um, Stan and all of it. There's a long story and she blew up. Oh, I remember. Re she blamed all our friends. All my friends are sitting there. This, this, the girls in my, uh, my family. They have a, a problem. They are blaming. fucking territorial with their food. <laughs> well, yeah. The women mean, in your geez. family. Your mom has never, never even looked remotely angry to me until she was looking for something in the kitchen once it wasn't there. Yeah. So one time I, I saw her that she looked kind of perturbed. That's the biggest problem with the uh, aura ladies. Aura women. All right. Let's keep going <laughs> wow. here. Next up, uh, Stephen J writes, uh, your level of interest in the Scarlet Witch trilogy, low. I, I would say it's low. Her as a, as a character in the greater MCU, very high. Trilogy, not so much. Uh, let's see, Noah Aguilera writes, and since it's like a $20 super chat, thank you, Noah. John, did you finish Pam and Tommy last night? Overall, I really enjoyed the show. I didn't know much about their situation before the show, but now I have a lot of respect for Pamela and sympathy for what she went through. No, I have not seen the final two episodes. Um, the last episode I saw was when she had to go to the uh, the deposition which was so uncomfortable. Like, if all you had to do is is to really feel a lot of empathy for what whatever it was Pamela Anderson had to go through at that time, that's the only scene of the show you got to watch. It's like, oh my god, she was treated like shit by these people. Like, it's just unbelievable. So I I've really enjoyed the series. I've not seen the final two episodes. I got to get on that. Have any of you guys been watching uh, Pam? Yeah, but I, I knew the I forgot that that episode dropped last night. Yeah, so I so it is too. It it, it it makes me physically ill to watch it. Tom has been watching it, and 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 it is so it's nauseating to watch it just because it's so uncomfortable. However, so I'm friends with Paul Ben Victor, who plays her lawyer, and um, we, we he he has a baby who is who is my son's age, and so we went to go. We had a little play date with the babies last week, and I said to him, I said I cannot watch. Tom goes, Oh my god, I love you and Pam and, Pam and Tommy, and I said I can't watch it because it is so uncomfortable. And he said that in that scene specifically, he goes, I wanted to do all these things. Like I'm her lawyer. Shouldn't I be more compassionate? And they were like, no, mm. no, you know, and it really, it, 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 you know, I mean, and I heard that Pamela Anderson is doing something. She's got a new something that's, oh, she's, um, oh, sh oh, she's doing Chicago. She's doing Chicago on Broadway. And I said, Good for her. And Tom goes, but can she sing? I go, I don't give a shit if she can sing. I said, <laughs> let Pam Anderson do whatever the hell she wants to do, okay? Let her do it. And knowing she she probably has been taking singing lessons, I think Chicago would be a great, she's playing Roxy Hart, which is a brilliant character for her. I will fly to New York to see Pam Anderson's star as Roxy Hart on Broadway. I think that she would be fantastic. If you know the show Chicago, you know that she'd be brilliant in that role. Do you know she just recently got remarried? I did not. 
then you also want to know the answer to the question. Do you know who she just remarried? I do not. Tom Brady? Kevin Tom Brady. I hope it wasn't Kid Rock again. John Peters, the producer of Superman that that Kevin... um, Oh, I know John Peter. Really? Yeah, that that Kevin... Why am I freezing on Kevin's last name? Uh, Kevin, the filmmaker. uh, Kevin Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. Tells the story about... The uh, the iconic story that Kevin Smith tells about dealing with this Superman producer that John Schnepp interviewed in his documentary, The Death of Superman Lives, that John Peters, she married John Peters. Is he a nice guy? Do we like him? Do we like him for her? He's a wonderful human being. Well, you know, they made the movie Shampoo. Warren Beatty is basically playing him, and he was, uh, Bradley Cooper played him in Licorice Pizza. Yeah, that's who Bradley Cooper plays, so. Well, I just want her to find a nice guy who treats her well. Well, her son, I I read a comment from her son, from Pamela Anderson's son, who's now an adult, said he's wonderful said like they are super happy and is like good on him good for her all right good for happy endings all right ben rayner writes hey gang hope all is well here's my question over under 25 percent obi-wan trailer within the week well i'm gonna go out on a limb (laughs) i'm gonna go way out on a limb and i will say over 25 percent. well i was saying to you guys even before the trailer i said well the entertainment weekly images have dropped i expect any moment now we're probably going to see a trailer there was, yeah. So, Ben, I'm going to go way out, take a wild guess, and say over 25%. That's that we why get people watch this show, John. You know what's up. It's, well, yeah. yeah, so sometimes. All right. Out of time, 1985 writes, John, you call yourself a movie slash TV, uh, TV talk show, and you aren't even covering the Kids' Choice Award nominations. Paul Feig would be so pissed right now. I know. You know what it is? Even the most prestigious of things like the Kids' Choice, we only have so much time. But we bring the filthy. This show's not I, for kids. We bring the filthy every yeah. day. I, I'm going to give a little tip. Whoever you see in the audience won that award for that award show. <laughs> yep. If they're they in let, attendance, they let them know in they're advance. accepting. You won. Come and, come yeah. and arrive. Yeah. You mean the, the nominees don't just show up because it's an award show that yeah. people want to be yeah. part of? If they're there, they won something. It's, it's an honor just to be Because they don't serve booze. It's the same as they the don't? MTV Movie Awards. Oh, I don't know. All right. It's a Kids Choice Awards. Uh, next up, Film Chocolate Code writes. Watch Casablanca for the first time last night. Incredible. Always great um, when a film from the past lives up to the hype. I love, love, love hearing from movie fans who maybe have a couple of open spots in their repertoire of some some of the all-time great classics they've never seen that write and say, my God, I just watched Godfather. My God, I just watched Ben-Hur. My God, I just watched Lords of Arabia. My God, I just watched Casablanca or Maltese Falcon or, you know, whatever it is. Raiders of the Lost Ark, baby. Ray, like Ray just watched <laughs> Raiders movie, of the Lost Ark. I mean, it's always great to hear that. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Film Code. Okay, next up. Uh, let's see. Matsif Jada writes, AMC owns Finland's biggest chain. Didn't know that. Uh, so we also see Nicole Kidman before every screening. They edit it to make it look like she's walking in. She's walking to Finkino. I don't know what Finkino is, but yeah, listen, AMC over the past number of years was in a, ma- even pre-pandemic, was in a massive expansion mode. They became the largest theater chain in the world, not just in North America. And they're owning a lot of those international things. So my condolences that you got to sit through that bullshit. I mean, hey, it's always glorious to see Nicole Kidman. It's just terrible to see that show. Again, the, the analogy stands. Making the audience sit through another commercial, telling them you should come to our movie theater <laughs> when you were already, already in the movie theater is likened unto desperately trying to get somebody to read your dating profile when you're already in the midst of intercourse with them. It makes no sense. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, Al Renshaw writes, 
How's Rob feeling after the big trade yesterday? Ooh, that's right. Russell Wilson, did you guys see, I think you showed it to me, the Seattle Seahawks put out a great meme right as soon as the trade happened. It's Tom Hanks floating on the water in Castaway going, Wilson, where are you, Wilson? Now that Wilson is no longer I, your quarterback. I will say this. They did get a lot of tasty. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you this right now, dude. I'm going to tell you this right now with no hesitation. Seattle won that trade. Yeah, I know. Russell Wilson is a generational quarterback. He's amazing. You know what? Denver Broncos very well could win the Super Bowl this year. But what the Seattle Seahawks got in that trade, all the talent they got, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, they made out like bandits in this trade. You know, I I first tweeted before I heard the details, I said that in one fell swoop, Uncle Pete became Grand Moff Tarkin. And I was, but then I delved into what they actually got. Do you know that a bunch of the coaching staff on the Seattle Seahawks watched the show? I did not know that. I actually got reached out to, one of Pete's sons was also one of the assistant coaches. He reached out to us once because I talked about the Seahawks once. And he wrote, hey, you know, we watch the show. Do you want tickets to come watch the Seahawks game? We'll get you tickets or something. I mean, uh, you know me, they're the Jedi Knights of the Pacific Northwest. All right, let's keep going here. Sam Fisher writes, Based on Monday's conversation, I came up with ways you can ground several Batman villains. I'm sure everybody did. Uh, Mr. Freeze, I like Rob's idea of a serial killer freezing bodies, experimenting on how to revive his wife with with dead blood disease or with a deadly blood disease. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day. Again, I think there are some Batman rogues gallery guys that are too fantastical to even bother trying to ground, but some, like Mr. Freeze, is one of the ones that maybe you can. Calvin Patel writes, Dolby's uh, Dolby's YouTube channel put out an interview with Matt Reeves about the sound design in Batman. They'll drop a cinematography one tomorrow. Great oh. listen. Check them out. That sounds great. That's really I would cool. watch that. Yeah. I would totally be down for that. Thank you so much, Calvin, for putting that on our radar. I, later today, I'm definitely going to go check that out. Thank you for letting us know about that, Calvin. Um, it's one of the things I love about the live stuff is that we i learn a lot of stuff from yep. from our audience who write in all right chris uh barcinas writes uh just makes me want to watch kenobi now yep yep and you know what the, the nice thing is we it's really not all that far away may 25th it's like two and a half months away at this point it's coming up soon and i'm sure we're going to get another trailer probably mm-hmm. like a, a full two and a half minutes that was like a minute 45 yeah we're probably like gonna a get teaser. a teaser yeah it's it's a teaser but a teased, glorious, delicious. Don't you try to skip my game day. It's like a week and a half, I think. Is it Halo. really only? When, when does Halo drop? March 24th. Yeah, you and I, we got a week. That's it's two weeks. Yeah, don't be skipping mine no. or Obi-Wan yet. A get, week, week later for, after Halo, we get Moon Knight. I'll baby. give it for Halo. Game day. Game day. I'm ready for Halo. Yeah, I'm excited. Go. You made me excited for it, Ray. <laughs> Next up. Uh, let's see. We got David Bruce writes, John, our locally owned theater showed Batman and Dolby Atmos with an intermission halfway through. Love it. Uh, I, I think more, I actually had a couple of people writing me saying, damn, I wish there was an intermission. I really love the idea of movies that are over, say movies that are in the three hour neighborhood having an intermission. Yeah. I, 
I love that notion. Plus, I love having a a musical overture and an interact in the middle where you get more music or whatever. I love give people a chance to hit the bathroom, refill their sodas without having to get up and moving in front of people while the movie's playing. You don't have to miss anything. Gives you a little bit of a breather. I love that, and I'm totally jealous, dude. That your theater did that. Extra fifteen minutes of sleep for me. Extra (laughs) five minutes. Yeah, I don't need. I don't need a fifteen minute. You know, like five minutes snooze. Fifteen minute intermission is good for a, a live theater where you only have like three bathroom stalls and everyone's waiting in True. line but when you have 85 bathroom stalls at a, an actual cineplex five minutes is good that's all i need all right next up we got uh let's see we're at perfectly legal blockade right <laughs> perfectly legal right <laughs> hey john and crew have you guys ever seen the prestige yep uh, the ending of that movie had me like, wow, now there are two of them. No lightsabers, hashtag just math. I get it. Now there are two of them. But I will say this. I love the prestige, Christopher Nolan's prestige, except the ending. I don't mean the third act. The third act is also great. I mean the ending. <laughs> the ending to me was like, really? That was their, <laughs> come on. But the... I still love the movie. Is that the one about magic? Yes. I still have to see that. Oh, with Jessica Biel and... Uh, Hugh Jackman, right? No, no. You're thinking of the one with Ed Norton Jr. Yeah. That, that came out about the same time. The Illusionist. The Illusionist. The Illusionist. Ed Norton Jr.? Edward... Ed is Norton. Not, is He's his a... full name not Ed Norton Jr.? Oh, I didn't know. I, I don't know. I, did, I, I could be wrong was... about that. You're probably thinking Ed Bagley. No, I, no, I wasn't <laughs> thinking about Ed Bagley, but... Oh, wow. But yeah, man, that's Ed Begley Jr. and Edward Norton do. I don't, I don't know that Begley's name has ever been brought up on this show before. So well done on that. (laughs) Leave it to me. Leave it to me. It It should be. Hello, she devil. Oh my god. Oh, you know, like one of my favorites. But uh, uh, Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, uh, um, Michael Caine, Scarlett Johansson. um, Yeah, it's it's a stack. I love that movie. I just don't like the ending. That's all. Mm. All right, next up. My Comic Planet writes, a movie I'm looking forward to is Deep Water with Ben Affleck, a movie I just watched after Yang with Colin Farrell. Excellent movie. Farrell has been killing it lately. Farrell always kills it, by the way. But, Rob, you were just talking about Deep Water. Dude, the return of Adrian Lyne. Come on, the director of Flashdance, nine and a half weeks, and Jacob's Ladder, coming back after 20 years and doing an adaptation of a Patricia Highsmith novel, erotic thriller starring Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck about a woman who's driving her husband insane by sleeping with other dudes. Ooh. Why Come would that now. drive anybody insane? I don't know. <laughs> as long as they can watch, right? We call that Tuesday. All right. Because <laughs> men up. can never get over it. Bam, a ham, yum. <laughs> right. It says in like a $20 super chat. Thank you, man. I was very skeptical about the casting of Barry Keoghan as spoiler, but last night I watched the film uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer for the first time, and oh my God, he's terrifying in that film. I am fully uh, confident he can pull it off. Listen, I I am a big fan of Eternals. Like, I, I mean, not it's not to me top shelf MCU, but I really enjoyed that film. But my favorite part, mm, close to my favorite part about the film was... The whole was Druig and Makari. That to me is like absolutely one of my favorite combo relationships ever. It was so sweet and adorable and charming and wonderful. And him as Druig, like just in that scene alone, where they're, when they first go back out to find him and he's living in that jungle village with his people, and then they're letting him know everything that's going on in that chapel and his angry thing, like, 
you just told me that this, this, and this, it's a lot to take in. Like, I just thought he was wonderful and anything he pops up. And again, we won't talk about his presence in Batman, but uh, anything he does, I'm totally on board for. Absolutely on board for. All right. Thank you a lot for that, Bamaham Yum. And again, one of my favorite usernames we got out there. Sidious Swift writes, I always wondered who'd they get to play Princess uh, Irulan. Uh, Florence Pugh would be an amazing choice. Hopefully the talks go well and she gets the part. Again, nine times out of ten, once it hits this stage, it's a done deal. It's very, like, the only time, the last time I can remember something getting to the last stage like this and then falling through, you have to go all the way back to when Joaquin Phoenix was in negotiations to be Doctor Strange. Like, that's, I, I can't remember the last time it got to that stage and then it just didn't happen. Like, and I'm sure it has. It's just that once it hits the stage, it means it's pretty much a done deal. So I I fully expect we're going to see you there. You never know, but I fully expect it. All right. Sam Fisher writes, oh, uh, going on more about his uh, grounded Batman characters. Killer Croc, cannibalistic serial killer that kills, that only kills sewer and sanitation workers. No. Uh, Get dubbed Killer Croc by media due to the order. No, no. No. I'm going to say, Sam, that one doesn't work. You're being a hero. (laughs) Diego uh, Higueros writes, I don't think the DCU will die. Wonder Woman is the third highest grossing WB domestic movie. Aquaman is the highest grossing DC movie worldwide. Again, and I just think it's clear that they have plans moving forward. Now, who knows? Maybe uh, David Zaslav, once he gets takes control of Warner Brothers, maybe he decides he kills it. Or maybe he decides he revives it. I mean, I don't know. But right now, it just doesn't look like they have any plans of slowing down anytime soon. All right. Nick writes, hey, gang. Um... What, uh, that new Mac studio looks awesome. I wish I was a creator just to give that machine a shot. Think you'll get it for the show? <laughs> I may or may not have dropped an order for a $5,500 Mac studio yesterday. Uh, yeah, I bought that damn thing. And I bought it with the M1 Ultra. That is going to be the most monster machine I've ever owned. And here's the funny thing. I didn't even buy it for myself. I'm not even going to get to use it. I got it for fact checker Jonathan uh, for him to use because that's probably going to be the new machine that will uh, control the show. That will probably do all the camera switching, do all that kind of stuff on top of the fact that he'll probably be editing on it and stuff like that. So I didn't even buy it for myself. I, I got it for fact checker Jonathan. But yeah, guess what I buy yesterday. What did you get? I noticed a hole in one of my Levi's. Oh, my. And I had to buy another pair, and it hurts me every time I have to drop $60 on jeans. <sighs> Man, it's like we're the same person. And it's not even for me. It's not even for me. I still want you guys to have to see my knees. <laughs> I still want you guys to have to see my knees. Anyway, so, yeah, that Mac Studio, effing awesome. When is it available? When do you get it? It arrives. Well, I bought it right away, and it arrives, they say... Anywhere from April 8th to April 13th. So not terribly long. Is, is, is this the second year that they've, um, since the M1 has been introduced? Or the uh, third year? Because this is just the tip we're, of the We're iceberg. getting close to the end of year two. Yeah, this is just the tip of the iceberg with what they're yeah, going to do. this altar thing. And by the way, yesterday I, I had bought, for Robert Meyer Burnett, I had bought him the uh, MacBook Pro M1 Pro. And it showed up yesterday. And it's a beast. 
Yeah. Can it's I tell you that I am trying to get a new iPhone because I feel <laughs> I no no I still have the two uh, the two thing camera and I need the three thing camera and I keep trying to order one. You should have got one when Ann was still working at Apple. I meant to and I just kept putting it off. <laughs> no, but here's the thing because. I bought my new MacBook through Ann right. and it was sent to my mom's house because we were there. Every time I try to buy my new iPhone, it wants to send it to my mom's house. So I'm not able to buy it. So, um, yeah, oh, there's got to be a way to change that. Yeah, you would think so. We'll, but we'll I'm, figure that out later. We'll we got to keep going for now. All right. Uh, but yes, Nick, I did get that new Mac studio, but it's not for me. Uh, Anish writes, hey, Aaron, did you hear Hi. Sam S? Uh, Sam Esmail. Esmail is set to create a miniseries based on the sci-fi classic Metropolis. Will we see you on the show, perhaps? Oh, you got to get on that show. Oh, yeah, I show. would love to get on the show, but I'm going to make a prediction right now. I probably will not. My husband probably will. And the reason why I say that is because <laughs> so way, 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 way back in the day when I had nary a credit to my name, I think this was even before I was prostitute number one on Star Trek Enterprise and before Sam Esmail created Mr. Robot. Um, we he was a student at the American Film Institute and I was in a lot of his student films and that's how I knew Sam and we hung out all the time and then time goes by blah 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 we lose touch next thing I know Tom who is my boyfriend or fiance no maybe even husband at the time he gets cast in Mr. Robot and I was like excuse me <laughs> excuse me I did all those student films for free like, you know, how about we throw me a bone, Sam? And so, um, and I figured, well, maybe it's been so long. Maybe he's forgotten. Sam saw Tom, walked right up to him on set and said, Mr. Aaron Cummings. Hi, <laughs> Sam. And I go, okay, so hello. hello. So um, I will reach out to Sam and be like, hey, bud, you owe me one. <laughs> Tell, you don't just, know. You just, don't actually owe me one, but I would love to be part of the project. Call Sam up and just say you expect to be cast as Maria. Just say that. Well, he and Emmy actually came over to the house for dinner when uh, when we were when I was Tom when I was going through treatment. They were they were lovely. Sam was like, "Whoa, you have cancer? Let's hang out." <laughs> and so, he's right. a lovely guy. Okay, now just so you guys know, we are gonna start putting this thing to turbo because uh, we are at twelve thirty, and we probably still have an hour of questions worth to go. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna try to compress that down as much as we possibly can, and we're gonna keep going here. All right, Sam Fisher writes in again. Uh, man bat. Okay, he wants more. Scientist develops a new PED after trying to fight crime like Batman. Makes him animalistic, killing bad guys. Gets dubbed man bat by the media. I think that's too far out there. Uh, that the, the the something turning a man into something that doesn't seem to fit into this bat. I still I like your Mister Freeze one, but I don't think that man bat one works at all. Out of time, nineteen eighty five writes. Do you think you all would do a movie club? Uh, on any of the Muppet movies? Probably not. I think the original one in Muppets Take Manhattan would be good choices. Now, we probably won't do those, but I'll tell you what. I meet the Feebles. Um, I love that first one. Like, I will still, every once in a while, catch myself singing Rainbow Connection. Oh, don't even, I'll start Like, crying. every once in a while, I'll pick up my guitar crying. and go, why are there so stop many? Stop it. I'm, you want me to cry? Okay, no, I won't. No, we'll stop right there. We'll stop right there. But no, probably won't be doing Muppet movie. All right, Mark Hansen sends in a $20 super chat just to be supportive. Thank you so much for that, Mark, for supporting our channel on that level, dude. All right, Sam Fisher writes, uh, Clayface, a down-on-his-luck actor uh, who uses clay to change his facial features, <laughs> a method acting to change his mannerisms and disguise himself. No, the, the thing, Clayface is far too... 
fantastical of a character, and that's just not Clayface anymore. Like Clay, right. the very essence of who and what Clayface is is what he is, and that just wouldn't work here, unfortunately. Frederico Jordan writes, seeing Obi Wan holding a lightsaber again gave me goosebumps in places I didn't know was possible. Again, that cover was so good. Just that classic him with the lightsaber. Just seeing him there again is so good. But again, that shot of him looking at little Luke Skywalker, that to me was the money shot, man. All right. Uh, Sam Ash writes, uh, Wanda, you break the rules and become a hero. I do, and I become the enemy. That doesn't seem fair. Me. Girl, you held a whole town hostage just because you were sad that your humanoid vibrator was dead. <laughs> Listen, it's true. It's true. It's funny because it's true. But if you talk to a lot of women, you know how men have always been disappointing. So if I lost someone like Vision, I might be sad as well. I would totally be sad. Yeah. Ah, uh, there we go. All right. What's next? <laughs> I oh, would by burn the whole town Sam down. Sam had sent in like a $20 super chat for that. Thank you so much for that, Sam. Appreciate that, dude. And yes, you're absolutely right. It's like, I break through. You didn't break. You literally kidnapped an entire town worth of people and stole their lives from them. Anyway. All right. Luke, one, two, three, four writes. Do you think current gas prices will affect opening box office weekends as per yesterday's amazing $100 million segment? Um, no, but it's going to have an impact on a lot of things. Like, uh, uh, listen, I'll, I'll let you guys a little inside baseball here. I am desperately trying to hire for a position right now. I got a position open with the company um, that probably none of you guys would, would, would qualify for, but I'm just saying I've got this position open. And it's extremely difficult to try to find somebody outside of the L.A. area who would be good for it. But it would be about an hour drive every day to get here from the L.A. area. So while I do not think it's really going to affect the movies, because that's one short trip for most people. Like, as long as you don't live an hour away from a movie theater, it's a relatively really quick trip. Not a big deal. But I'm telling you right now, it's affecting me. Because now it's a lot more expensive for somebody to make the trip out here to go back. It's, it's not that long of a drive, but it adds up with gas. Now, fortunately, everybody in this room either lives up the street from me or has electric-based cars now. So it's not going to hurt any of us. Got a Prius. But, but I tell you what, it's affecting my ability to find somebody to hire for this position. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it'll have impact on a, lot of, uh, on a lot of different things. All right, let's keep going on. Great question, though, Luke. One, two, three, four. Uh, next up, Sam Fisher writes, <laughs> Hugo Strange. The warden of Arkham who is abusing the inmates would be a great uh, way to tackle abuse in the prison like the one he ta like uh, like this one tackled corruption. Listen, well, the thing the great thing about a Hugo Strange character is you don't need to do anything else. Right. Like he's fine. Like that's that's one of the safe ones. Him, Scarecrow, Riddler, guys like that. These are safe zone ones. So absolutely, Sam, Hugo Strange could be one of them. Jedediah Elias writes, I just listened to the podcast of yesterday's show and have to say, you shouldn't discount box office for Minions 2. Not looking forward to it, but... Um, uh, there it is. But those Despicable Me movies have made a fortune. Universal will do everything they can to cash in, especially with it being a family film. And under normal circumstances, I would agree with you. These films have done big business, whatever, but this was a movie that I thought came out two years ago. I think this is going to be a movie that pops in. A lot of people are going to be, wait, 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 what? Is it out on home video? No, wait, it never hit theaters? 
so I, I'm just not really sure, Jedediah, though. You could be 100% correct about that, dude. Let's keep our eyes open on that. All right, Sam Fisher again writes, Poison Ivy, uh, an eco-terrorist who is using fertilizer bombs to bomb Gotham factories and kill uh, captains of industry, destroying Gotham's economy. You could. My question would be, does anybody, is anybody interested in seeing a Poison Ivy that doesn't have the powers of Poison Ivy? Like, it's, it does the audience. Yeah, and what's the conflict that Batman has? Just stopping them? You know, you you have to have, I think, a larger, there's got to be something else going on. Well, if you are going to have a Poison Ivy, I highly recommend, um, as much as I would love to play the role, I highly recommend Bridget Regan, who recently played Poison Ivy in the, um, uh, the CW show. Uh, oh, yeah, Gotham. Gotham, yes, absolutely. She was actually, she was actually really kind of filled that role well. She, she, I mean, she was born for it. I, I know she was actually doing when I was in New Zealand doing Spartacus. She was in New Zealand doing Legend of the Seeker, and so then we happened. I forgot to, about that show. Many years later, we happened to be in acting class, and so together, and so we ended up becoming buddies. And so when I saw that she got the role of Poison Ivy, I was like. This is the role you were born to play. And if you haven't seen the images of Bridget Regan as Poison Ivy, you have to go look them up. I believe they were in Entertainment Weekly, and she looks phenomenal. The, uh, but I'll be straight up with you. I, I, I am not interested in a Poison Ivy that doesn't have the po powers of Poison Ivy. And the only time I'm interested in watching Poison Ivy again in a live-action environment is if they are pulling off the story with Harley Quinn. That's it. Oh, After that's right. watching Harley Quinn... Yeah. Uh, I, that's all I want to see. I, I want to see a live action version of that. And I'm sorry, I mean. it, yeah, it, was, it, it was Batwoman. It was Batwoman. Thank you, chat. That she would, that Poison Ivy was. In. Oh, shoot. Okay, because they did have a Poison Ivy in Gotham. So I. Sorry, no, this was in, in their most recent. Batwoman. Oh, yeah. So I don't watch Batwoman. So there's that. All right. Next up, uh, we've got uh, Andy writes. I just realized that Morbius has both Joker and Batman, Jared Leto and Michael Keaton in it. Uh, the uh, it's the year of the Batman. Oh yeah, that's right. For some, I thought you were saying Michael Caine for a second. That's right. I didn't even think about that. We got a Batman and a Joker in that movie. Well, I don't know how that totally flew under my radar. Andy, well pointed out, man. <laughs> All right, Sam Fisher continues. Scarecrow, a doctor who's kidnapping the homeless to perform unethical fear experiments after a series of homeless are found dead throughout to uh, to be serial. Well, I mean, the thing about again, like you are strange with Scarecrow, you don't have to do anything. The Scarecrow. Is in of its he's in and of itself a grounded character. So not so you're right. It could do it. It's just you don't really have to do any adaptation on it. And he writes, I was trying to watch Star Wars, but I realized probably got the wrong movie when Robert Meyer Burnett started showing up. <laughs> I don't think Aaron knows about this. Wait, what happened? What did I miss? Well, I, again, he writes, I was trying to watch Star Wars, but I realized I was watching the wrong movie when Robert Meyer Burnett showed up. <laughs> oh, you do? I do know yeah, about this. You know I do know about, about. this. I don't yeah. think that's the wrong movie Luke at all. Luke Darksaber. Uh, strong, dark. Biggs Darklighter. Biggs Darklighter. Biggs Darklighter. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, you have the image? You have a picture? I'm going to see if I can find the image. To, oh, my. There yeah, it is. There, yeah. there it is. Let, let me let me get this on screen. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about. Uh, yeah. There's Robert Meyer Burnett. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> In Star Wars, the porn parody. Star Wars Triple X. Star Wars Triple oh X, the porn parody. Uh, look at that flight outfit. Though. They asked it's me to the fly. Hair. It's they the black to fly hair. And the mustache. I flew a triple X wing fighter. A triple X wing. <laughs> I was like, I'll do that. I penetrated their shields. <laughs> <laughs> 
And once again, tell us your character's name. Biggs Darklighter. Yes. Luke, Luke's friend from Tatooine, uh-huh. who, who joined the uh, rebellion after uh, going to the academy. I love that you actually are trying to make us believe that there was that much backstory. <laughs> oh, there absolutely was. Oh, and by the way, there are people in the live chat saying, wait, wait, is that, are, are you being serious? Is that an actual porn? Yes, that's an actual porn that Rob was actually in. Yes. Now, he does not actually penetrate anybody's shields in the porn. Yeah. On but camera. He's an extra. Well, no, we do penetrate the Death Star shields. Yeah, but, I mean, but uh, you know what I mean. Yes. yes no, but, but now, what's there the is? name of the film? Star Wars Triple X, a porn parody. Okay. There you go. And it's like three hours long. <laughs> okay. I'm not uh, kidding. All right, next up, uh, let's see. Chef Rigo, our friend Chef Rigo writes, tried Zevia for the first time. Know what? Not bad. Yeah, and listen, that's actually that's a soda that's a little bit of an acquired taste because I at first I thought, yeah, not bad, but it was no artificial sweetener, so that's the thing to me. And But then it really grows on you, man. I'm glad you tried it. And we'll see you soon at your restaurant, Chef. All right, Film Code writes, John, what do you consider a perfect comedy? One that very few people could argue against. For me, there's... No idea what you're talking about. Hot Tub Time Machine, uh, Tropic Thunder, and City Slickers. What are some of yours? There's no such thing as a perfect comedy. And you're never going to get... There's no such thing as a movie that people can't argue against. Yes, you can. Um, To me, uh, a perfect comedy... Look, the only thing a comedy needs to do... You can have... Comedy and horror are are interesting when it comes to movies. Because with, with most movies... You need to have a complete package. You got a good story, good characters, have some good dialogue, blah, 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 have some action, have some laughs, whatever. But if you're a comedy, you can do everything wrong. But if you make the audience laugh, it's all that matters. It's kind of like a horror. You can do everything wrong in a horror movie. But if you give some people some good thrills and scares, that's all that'll matter. So I just like a movie that makes you laugh hilariously. Like to me, the closest thing to a perfect comedy are noises off, with John Ritter and Christopher Reeve and Carol Burnett and Michael Caine and 40-Year-Old Virgin. 40-Year-Old Virgin is the other thing to me that's like a BTTF perfect comedy. was Back to the Future. I don't consider that a comedy. I don't either. I, I, I consider it a slash comedy, like something slash Like there are comedy. funny moments in it. Oh, some seriously funny moments, yeah. But I wouldn't classify it as a comedy. Do you guys have any comedy that, if you were going to say it was a perfect comedy, it's something comes- Tootsie is pretty great. And that's 40 years old this year. Uh, what? Why am I freezing on the name of, oh, I got Annie Hall. Nine oh, to five. Annie, nine to five. Nine to five is a great comedy. When Harry Met Sally. The oh, Martian. The Martian is. <laughs> and, and one best comedy at the year. Remember? That's, that's right. That's right. At the that's Golden right. Globes. At the Golden Globes. <laughs> it was under the, it won best comedy, which again is why the Golden Globes are completely useless. All right. Uh, next up, Sam Fisher again writes Two Face, uh, easiest to ground, not easier than Doctor Strange or, or Doctor Hugo Strange, or uh, or Scarecrow, but uh, easiest to ground. Introduce Harvey as the new DA, uh, retrying Sal Maroney after he gets an appeal because of the corruption of the original case. Again, we just have yeah. All you have to do is really he becomes horribly scarred. Actually, that is a little more more difficult to grab because what Aaron Eckhart was in The Dark Knight, that guy wouldn't actually be alive, but still. A more a more groundable one, Sam. You're right about that. City of Swift writes, I can't wait for John's spoiler talk of the Obi-Wan show. Uh, I still had no interest in getting Disney+. Plus. You're saving me a lot of money, John. Well, I'm, I'm glad, but you know what? If you haven't signed up for Disney+, Plus yet, and you're waiting for something that really interests you, I mean, this Obi-Wan show looks like it could be it. Again, being, it was Deborah Chow was directing this one, right? Yeah. Good Canadian girl, did a marvelous job on her Mandalorian episodes. Cannot wait to watch this. Thanks for that, Sidious. All right, Matt writes, couple of questions 
uh, after watching the Dark Knight discussion. Why did they replace the Rachel actor from Batman Begins? And do you think Heath Ledger would have been in The Dark Knight Rises? Um, have no idea. I, I honestly have. I, I know there's, there is some kind of story about why, what's her name? Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes was replaced by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Tom Cruise. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Tom Cruise just told her not to be in it? Uh, no, there was when she there was a there 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 was when she was very much involved in a certain religion, and there were a lot of people in that religion that were um, circling and causing a lot of disruptions. And um, I didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. rumor rumor has it that it became very that that it was more about the the religion that became problematic. Didn't know that. Well, I mean. She was fine in Batman Begins, but I just thought Maggie Gyllenhaal kind of encapsulated the character a little bit better anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as, yeah, I believe, yes, Heath Ledger would have been back. There's a reason he didn't die yeah. in, in The Dark Knight, so I have no doubt whatsoever that he would have been back. All right, thanks a lot for that, Matt. Next up, uh, Saud Hassan writes, uh, based on the additional casting of live-action One Piece show, do you think that they are cramming too much in for just... 10 episodes. I, I'll be honest. I have no idea what we're talking about. Ray knows. No, no. I watched One Punch Man, not One Piece. Yeah, oh, Ray watches yeah. One Punch Man. They're they're different. I know One Piece is very popular, but I haven't watched it yet. So. I just like well, the idea that One Piece. Oh, that's will have the anime a... thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They're I'm doing a live. Idea. There's going to be a thousand episodes of One Piece. Yeah. I. Like, I yeah. Even, so serious. So I. I can't even imagine I, how many seasons that's going to run. I, I don't. I don't follow it at all. I have no interest in it. Well, it's I, hard to jump into. Because yeah. there's a lot to watch. All right, to see. sorry about that, Saud. All right, next up. Uh, Sam Fisher. Bane, a famous luchador who signed... No, that is not what Bane is. That is not what Bane is at all. Famous <laughs> luchador who signs with Gotham Wrestling Lead and ODs, similar to, to uh, Carfenital. Uh, Rise, and, Rise and Bat tries to link the two, but Bane is super insulated yeah no no just no that's not what no not not at all sam come on no, sam no 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 out of time 1985 writes i think uh for one of these batman movies they should do the clock king as their villain maybe batman is racing against uh, a ticking clock to save gotham no i don't uh, look i put up a joke yesterday on my twitter saying the only acceptable villain for batman 2 is condiment king who is a real guy but no, they should not do Clock King. I, I, I wouldn't say that at all. Condiment By the way, King? Did, the Condiment King. What did I say? Did you said say Condiment King. You said condiment. Oh, yeah, Condiment King. Yeah, right? Yeah, he's Condiment yeah. King. That's an actual superhero. <laughs> yeah. Villain. 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 And he just like runs around squirting people with ketchup. I, have you, you haven't got to that part in Harley Quinn yet, have you? No, I have not. He, he, he shows up later on. Oh, fun. He showed, yeah, Condiment King shows up. He's the only, but no, that, that's, uh, no, I don't think Clocking, Clocking is not nearly as ridiculous, but no, I don't see that working. All right. Uh, John Redcorn writes, damn the Craven, the Hunter cast is stacked. Well, where are we at right now? We obviously got Aaron Taylor Johnson. We got Russell Crowe, who I think is the best actor in the world right now. Uh, and they just announced somebody else. Who was it? They, we just talked about it. Who was it they announced recently? Playing, um. Oh, uh, uh, Craven's lover. Um, was this? No, not Zazie Beats. No, no, no. Um, I'm oh, it's the girl from. Um, oh, right, from, from uh, uh, West, Side West Side Story. Story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Debose. Debose. Adriana Debose. Adriana yep. Debose. Who's about to win an Academy Award? Yeah. By the way, yeah, yeah, it's looking pretty damn good. 
I'm very excited for Craven. I am really actually stupidly excited for Craven. I cannot wait. Uh, okay, next up. Uh, where are we at? We are at Sam Fisher again. Court of Owls. The corruption exposed by the Riddler unveils a secret society of the upper class controlling the city. The Arkhams might have been members. Uh, again, what, what you're explaining here, Sam, really isn't all that far off from what it actually is. And again, like limit the conversation to villains you can ground that aren't already by nature grounded. Right, right. right? exactly. Like it's got to be characters that are really in the supernatural realm like a lot of the Batman villains are. To ground them down. Otherwise, I mean, the Court of Owls is a is a. And by the way, Court of Owls are going to feature feature very prominently in uh, Gotham Knights, the upcoming video game. So that's going to be in there too. But yeah, Court of Owls is a very popular choice right now. Uh, J Day writes, "Hey John and crew, uh, I have a theory that Doctor Strange isn't in trouble for the Spider Man spell, but a new spell he will cast in the movie. Thoughts? I've said that exact same thing. Um, I, I think there is a very legitimate chance." that the spell everybody's talking about had nothing to do with the Spider-Man thing. I mean, that one was just handled very casually. And he apparently fixed it, but I think it might be for something else. Well, he does say, I, I see what I have to do. Yeah. I think it's for something else that we see happen in the beginning of this movie. I think it's something that's happening to him. Yeah? It has something to do with the nightmares that he's having and yep. the, that he's... Could be. All right, next up. Sam Fisher again. Uh, Rajel Ghul, again, not really a grunty. Uh, and the League of Assassins, another secret society that controls uh, world events through assassination. Eh, they already did it. <laughs> I mean, you, know, yeah, I, you don't have to worry yeah. about trying to ground them when they've already did Rajel Ghul and the League of Shadows or Assassins, depending on which one you go with. So there's that one. Uh, Blue Neptune Pictures sends in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Blue Neptune, for supporting our, uh, our show on that level. And he writes... Uh, John, the unthinkable happened. Went to my local AMC last night to watch the Batman for a second time, IMAX this time, Dolby first time, and they only played three trailers and no Nicole Kidman spot. I was in disbelief. I really... No. Well, are you sure... Okay, I have to ask Blue Neptune, are you sure... Are you sure that you were in an AMC theater? <laughs> are you sure they're in? you were in an AMC theater? Because I find that hard to believe. But if it's true, oh, I would love to see that spread like a disease. I mean, I would love to see that, man. That sounds to me like like uh, Valhalla. Three trailers, no commercials, then play the movie? Count me in. Count me in for sure, man. Thank you for sharing that. By the way, do me a favor, Blue Net Tomb. Drop me an email at john at thejohncampyshow.com and let me know where that happened because I would love to know where they were doing that. That's great. All right, Suthius writes, Guys, can I borrow $5,000? That's how much you'll need for the two-night stay for two at the Disney Galactic Star Cruiser accommodations. Yowzer. I thought it was like $8,000 Yeah, it's actually more than that because, and I actually wanted to talk to you guys about this. So Tom is turning 40 this year, and um, I kind of want to take him. And I was thinking, like, I mean, it's a big price tag, but my man's worth it. And you I'll know tell what? You what? I make big bucks on the John Campia show, so <laughs> boom. I'll tell you what. Um, I have been hearing they they the reviews started came, coming out, like the actual real reviews. Yeah, I actually want to ask you guys about that because I, I, a guy I know, Peter Serretta, uh, who runs, who was the founder of Slash, he Film, does a and, great YouTube channel where he goes to. Yeah, he has now a second YouTube channel where him and his girlfriend just do theme parks and they just talk about that and they do a very very good job. And they were just writing about the experience, and they said the experience is actually incredible. But fuck you if you think I'm spending 
$7,000 a night. Well, it's not $7,000 a night. It's a two-night stay, and the entire experience from start to finish is an immersive experience. And And I heard it's great. Yeah, so it's basically like everywhere you go, everyone you interact with is in character. So you're not going... I mean, we wouldn't probably go to Disney World. We would probably just go to Florida check in, have this two-day total immersive Star Wars dork fest experience for my husband, and he would have a raging boner the entire time. Yay me. And <laughs> then we would leave. So It'd be like Sleep No More. I imagine it like Sleep No More, but with Star Wars. A hundred percent. And then like all the rooms are specific. Like even the windows of the rooms, they don't look out into the world as we know it. They look out into the a world monitor of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, it's all a monitor. I, I don't know. For that price of night, Oh, well, here's the thing. It's not like we would just go. I mean, it's his 40th birthday. And for my 40th birthday, many, 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 many years ago, he, you know, brought me to a very on a very nice trip. And so I was thinking, wait a um, minute, didn't we just celebrate your 29th? Yes. The anniversary of her 29th. The anniversary. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Let's keep anyway. going here. Um, Sam Fisher writes, Calendar Man, no chance in hell. Adapt Long Halloween more directly with him compulsively killing on the holiday because he was abused by a family member when uh, when they visited. I mean, look, there, we already had overtures of the Long Halloween in the Batman. We won't say how specifically for those who haven't seen it yet. So that's in there. But yeah, I don't know about Calendar Man. Uh, City Swift writes, next week's movie club, I don't know yet. I said I would announce it today. We haven't decided on it yet. I will let you guys know very, very soon what the next movie club will be, though. I might actually be 40-Year-Old Virgin. I mean, I know I want to do 40-Year-Old Virgin at some point. This might be a good time to do it, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Sam Fisher writes, don't laugh, but Condiment King, nah, a local condiment company product is killing people. Uh, Bat has to figure out if the CEO knew and covered it up. No, that sounds like a... I'll be honest with you, Sam. That sounds like a bad episode of Gotham. That doesn't sound like a follow-up to a Matt Reeves Batman movie. All right, Mark Hansen writes, uh, thank you, crew, for everything you all do. Batman was awesome, by the way. Well, thank you for being here, Mark, and being part of our community, dude. And I'm glad you enjoyed the Batman, man. Thanks again. Sam Fisher again writes, Kite Man. Similar to Condiment King, he is the CEO of an aeronautics company where the new plane crashes and Ben has to figure out if it was an accident. Again, a terrible episode of Gotham. Not a Matt Reeves. Not a Matt Reeves movie. Kevin Joyce writes, I am so unreasonably excited for Obi-Wan building the connective tissue uh, between. uh, Anyway, yeah, I am also very excited for it, Kevin. Super excited for it. The trailer was awesome. I cannot wait to see more of it and to dissect it a little bit more. Uh, Spencer Cooper sends in a super chat badge just to be supportive. Thank you, Spencer. Elizabeth Gerardo writes, after Pam and Tommy sigh, Lily James is definitely getting an Emmy nomination. Hopefully Sebastian too. I am floored by both of them in that. I am floored oh, by both of them in that. I, I like I, and again, I don't know what the Emmy category is for hair and makeup, but hair and makeup has got to go to Pamela and Tommy. The way oh, they yeah. make her, like, I, I have to do double takes whenever I see her. It's like, are you sure that's not Pamela? They created a fake forehead. Yeah. It's crazy. It's incredible. Mm. And the scene of Tommy Lee talking to his own dick. I mean, as ridiculous as that is, as that was one of the most profoundly hilarious moments of TV I've seen in a little <laughs> while. Like, I was just like, I just couldn't believe they were doing it. And I was, Anna and I were like laughing our guts out. You mean out doing it time. on camera? Doing it on camera. I do it yeah. daily myself. <laughs> oh, jeez. Next up. Uh, Luke Batman 0707 writes 
Hi, John. Ray, you guys are awesome, and I like watching you guys every day. Ray makes me laugh. I'm very <laughs> curious if Matt Reeves will introduce the Court of Owls in the sequel, Thoughts. I mean, I don't know. Um, It seems like the obvious one, but they, they could. But look, the problem with Court of Owls is, as it is a recent thing in Batman lore... It's being used a lot. Yeah, it is. It feels like everything now is Court of Owls. Even the new game coming out is all based on Court. Gotham got into Court of Owls. I mean, it was just... So, I, I don't know. It would fit. It would fit this Gotham very well, but I almost feel like, give it a few years? Because it just seems like everything is Court of Owls. Right now, Rob, I don't know. What I you still think? think you need a singular entity that Batman can go up against. You know, you can't... or or dual entities whether it's catwoman and bane like that we saw in the dark knight rises or in in this film i think batman needs look man i'm still hoping for slade wilson deathstroke yeah i don't think they're gonna do it i know but i I would would love love to see it i want to see that ben affleck script man i I do too all right next up jack master nord writes hello the john capish show family ray did you see that stone cold versus ko is set for mania i'm gonna guess it's kevin owens I love you, Stone Cold, but you shouldn't get back in the ring. Yeah, I, I, I think. I uh, mean, I, I where you left, I, you're doing so good. But if you need it, hell, I'll cheer for you. But yeah, I, I didn't want to see it. All right, next I up, cheer for you, uh, CYN sensitive rights. The original Star Trek only aired three seasons. Yes. Uh, so your reasoning behind Batman Beyond doesn't stand. It aired for just three seasons. <sighs> Okay, you okay? You really want to compare? Should I start the laundry list about how that's a fucking ridiculous trident comparison? First of all, let's talk about eras. Second of all, yeah, guess what? Not a ton shit of people were watching Star Trek when it went off. That was before you were fucking born. It's also before it had demographics. It it was also way before it had demographics. I mean, if you got a stretch to try to make a comparison by going back to a 1960s show. That just proves how right I am. Although it just proves if, how right I am. You are going to go back to a 1960s show. Kudos to you. For I mean, going that to is the original the, Star that Trek. That is the show to go back to. That's right. But like that is so non-comparable. It's it's just laughable. I think dude. the main point is we love Batman Beyond, except you. <laughs> Nobody True. does. Nobody cares. Yeah. Okay. Nobody cares. Because I, I will tell you. We'll I'm going to bring in my hot no, toy no, let's Batman not do it again. Beyond no, and put him in the background. Just like in one of your favorite movies, Rob, Social Network. Love with that movie. One of the great lines in the movie. If you could have made created Facebook, you would have created Facebook. If there was any money to actually be made on doing Batman Beyond, they would have made Batman Beyond. But again, I say all of that but with the giant asterisks that I actually really do honestly believe today there is a greater chance of them doing Batman Beyond than any other time. Totally in thanks to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think there is a greater chance of it happening today than in the last decade or so. Um, now it may be feasible because of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I, it very well could happen. We'll have to wait and see. Justice for Terry, baby. Justice for Terry. Next up. Uh, we got Victor U writes, Hey, John and gang, I saw the Batman two times already, and I love this film. Uh, what a masterpiece. Matt Reeves and everyone involved over-delivered. I completely agree. You know, we were talking about doing that when we were doing the Dark Knight uh, movie club episode, and the question came up, what do we like better, the Batman or the Dark Knight? And it was, I stopped us and said, the very fact that we're even asking that question, the very fact that you even have to bring up the questions like, do we like the Batman more than the Dark Knight? speaks to how effing good the Batman is. Mm-hmm. 
to be even be in the conversation with a movie that some people consider to be the greatest comic book film of all time. Hell, some people consider The Dark Knight to be one of the greatest movies of all time. And the very fact that we even ask the question, is the, is the Batman as good or better than it, speaks volumes. So I, I agree, man. They did such a great job with the Batman. Tim Platt writes, uh, it's milestone week. Uh, Backstrom and Ovi, I don't know what that means. Uh, Backstrom and Ovi, who also tied Jaeger. Oh, we're talking about hockey players. Who also tied Jaeger for third in the most goals? Uh, played their 1,000th game together last night. Congrats for crossing 200 million views and cannot wait for more. Uh, these are these are hockey guys, by the way, everybody. Um, and speaking of long-term partnerships, who are some of your favorite? Who are some of your favorites in film and TV? Tarantino and Sam Jackson is one for me. Uh, that's too. That's way too broad of a question, Tim. I mean, uh, obviously George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, uh, Ron Howard, and Brian, Brian Grazier. Are you like talking about tandems? Well, I mean, teams. You know, um, Scorsese, Scorsese and DiCaprio, and DiCaprio Scorsese and, and De, Niro. De Niro. Yeah. Um, Godzilla and buildings. Godzilla and buildings. <laughs> I'm not really a big Tim Burton guy, but I know a lot of people would say Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. um, Tom uh, and Aaron. Tom and Aaron. Tom and Aaron Aww, is a great is a great combo as well. <laughs> yeah, Ovechkin. Uh, look, the career Ovechkin has had is absolutely ridiculous, dude. Absolutely, congratulations to him for crossing that milestone. All right, next up, the house that Hulk built writes. For the next three movie clubs, you can do one, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, and the Tree of Life. I'm never doing Tree of Life. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I've got the new director's cut on, on disc. I can loan <laughs> of it to you. Uh, no, I, no, I've seen it. I, it, it like, I, it's an interesting film. The but new it's version's of, better. <laughs> Still waiting for the new version of Moonfall. I don't think you believe we should do a movie club on Tree of <laughs> no, Life. No, I don't. Yeah. But I do love Tree of Life. Uh, so, but, but the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is definitely... Definitely one we'll probably cover at some point. Eternal Sunshine, that's that's a great I one. I haven't seen that one in either. Uh, that'll be a good one for you, sir. You'll like on. it. Uh, Rob's Belly Button writes, totally forgot <laughs> uh, Nosferatu, a symphony of horror turned 100 five days ago. It did. Great movie. Woo! A classic of the Max Shrek, a classic of the silent era. One of the great vampires ever still to this day. That should have been made a bigger deal of, like a movie turning a century. That, that probably should have been made a bigger deal I know. of. Come on, Hollywood. All right. Uh, we keep going on here. Uh, Jedediah Elias writes, one of two, like your Heath Ledger sentiment on Movie Club yesterday, remember where I was? I remember where I was when Chadwick Boseman died. Just got off work and went to see Inception for the first time. Uh, left to find out he had passed away. Um... Uh, as a major fan of the MCU and Black Panther, it finally made me realize just how horrible 2020 was. Also had a story idea for Black Panther 2, but it will have to save it for mailbag. It's quite long. Yeah, I was watching, I believe I was in my living room. Ray, I can't remember if it was, you know, it was Ryan was there with me and Ann, and we were watching Bill and Ted, the new Bill and Ted, which was not very good. Uh, but we were watching the new Bill and Ted, and that's, I think, when the news broke out and came across. Um, I just realized it is actually going to take me an hour and a half to get to my fitting. Oh, yeah. So you got to split. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, we're, we're gone. We've been waiting um, I just booked another job, and I am going to be filming the television show SWAT for ABC. Starting tomorrow. Starting tomorrow. And I am not going to be here next week, so I'll be filming that. But I will be here the following week. So um, I got to go. Yep, you go get to the try studio. Try on my, you know, my, my, my costume. All right. Goodbye to Aaron Cummings. Thanks for being here, Aaron. And bye, Joey Bishop. All right. Um. Uh, 
Uh, but yeah, I remember where I was too. Like I said, for us remembering where we were when we found out that uh, uh, that Heath Ledger passed, and yeah, I'll, I'll always remember where I was when we found out that uh, that Chadwick Boseman had passed. All right, James. Freeman writes, congrats, John and crew. Thank you so much for that, James. Appreciate that, man. Uh, Joshua Gonzalez writes, uh, hey, guys, love the show. Thank you so much. Just wanted to tell Rob I saw all that jazz, and wow, it's showtime is now my favorite quote. It's a masterpiece. Oh, I'm glad to hear you say that because it is a masterpiece. It's an incredible film that deals with love, art, mortality, and great film editing. All right, next up. Uh, Irene Jobson writes, congratulations on y'all's views. Thanks so much again for those of you who weren't around at the beginning. Uh, today, it's it's official. We have officially crossed the 200 million view mark on the John Campy YouTube channel. So again, big thank you to everybody. And thanks for sending that in, Irene. Uh, let's see. Uh, Wild Weave writes, John, I am trying to get eyes on a documentary called The Last House Standing. It's free on Tubi. Some of the tips in it just might save your house. I've never heard of it. But, uh, I mean, hey, I, I'm a homeowner. Maybe I should check it out. Rob, you're about to become a homeowner. Yes, so. uh, I, I, I need all the tips I can get. Yeah, me too. <laughs> all right, thanks for the, the heads up on that, Wild Weave. Chef Rigo writes, 200 million, million views. See you guys soon. Yep, of course, Chef Rigo. We, we, um, by the way, we do have to plan our, our night to go to yeah, dinner. Yeah, man, let's go see some Chef Rigo and we'll show go see Chef Rigo in action. Come on, uh, man. Billy Guinan writes, it sends it like a $55 super chat. Thank you, Billy, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Love watching the show every day. Thank you, man. Thanks for expanding my love of movies. Oh, man, that is so, like, again, I say it every time, but it's so nice when somebody just wants to write in to say something encouraging. Dude, thank you so much for being here and being a part of our community, community that makes it possible for us to do this every day. So thank you so much for that, Billy. Appreciate that a lot, man. Um, Kylo Ken writes, Rob, have you seen the new Star Trek game, uh, Resurgence? It takes place right after The Next Generation and includes Ambassador Spock. Looks pretty cool. Any thoughts? I watched the uh, what, eight minutes of, what is it, cut scenes yesterday. Looks pretty cool. I have not even heard of it. I'm going to have to check oh, that yeah. out. Oh, yeah. No, you can watch. It's I think it's eight minutes online. Yep. All right. I will go check that out. All right. Mike Joyce writes, uh, let's start a GoFundMe to get Chris a new car. Okay. I can't let you guys know. Chris, they bought a new car. They just haven't received it yet. It hasn't been delivered yet, but they did have a new car. Thank goodness. Because, yeah, that one has just uh, not been working well for her. All right. Guillaume LaBelle writes. Uh, hey, John and gang, congrats on the incredible milestone. You guys are always there to light up my day, uh, even in trying times. Love you guys. Oh, thank you so much, Guillaume. And it, it is seriously our honor and our privilege to do it. And listen, we get emails all the time from people saying that while doing the show through the pandemic, our show helped them get through the pandemic. I think it is safe that we can say you guys being here during the pandemic helped get us through the pandemic. I would agree with that. And it, like, I mean, Rob and I would talk almost every day before we start the show. It's like, you know what? It, these days suck. It's, it's amazing. We get the one highlight of our day is to be able to get together and do the show. And uh, so thank you, Guillaume. And thanks for being a part of that, man, as we were going through that. Robert Perez writes, just want to say, I hope you all have a great day. Oh, thank you. And he sends in like a $20 super chat. Oh, thank sweet. you, Rob. Thank That's you, sir. Awesome of you, man. Thank you so much. And so far we are having a great day. All right. Next up. Film Code writes, also congrats on 200 million views, John. You guys were essential viewing during the pandemic. Thanks for keeping the movie fandom alive. Well, thank you so much, man. Thanks for being here through it all. And thank you, Film Code, for helping us get to 200 million views. All right, last one comes to us from Mark Amorosi, who writes, Hey, John, I'm loving the Movie Club podcast. Thank you so much, man. It's quickly becoming the highlight of my week. Would well, you guys consider doing an episode about one of the Star Trek movies? Oh, I think it's... Rathacon, dude? No doubt. 
It's no, Rathacon for Movie Club. I think Rathacon absolutely have has to be seen Rathacon, Have you seen Rathacon, Ray? No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't seen 40 Year. You got to bring your mic closer to you. Uh, I haven't seen uh, Rathacon or 40 year, year Old Virgin or. You've never seen 40 Year Old Virgin? Mm. Well, it's, they kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're kind of the same thing. Story of my life. Is that a documentary? <laughs> All right. And by the way, then just a couple of super chats got submitted. Super chat badges. Just be supportive. Noah AG sent one in. Philly G sent one in. And guys. That'll do it for today's ridiculously long episode of the John Campia Show. Thank you guys so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Uh, guys, keep your guys' eyes open because later today uh, we have a new mailbag episode dropping. We have part two of our Batman open spoiler discussion video dropping. Lots of stuff coming. Also, don't forget to come back and join us again for tomorrow's episode of the John Campia Show. So for Aaron Cummings, who just left, Ray Ora, the one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.